Hello and welcome to the ETOF 21 Sports Podcast for May 6th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF 21 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter at ETOF21 or on Instagram at ETOF21 Sports underscore. Guys, a lot of stuff is going on. Before I jump into all that, I have to give everyone a warning. I was having some major audio issues with my Yeti microphone. So I have some interviews where my voice is chopped up but my guests are A-OK. We have a loaded show. We have six freaking guests today. Count them, six. We have my new boy, Anthony, coming on. He's going to talk some NHL. Sterling is going to talk NFL Draft. Geno, Kentucky Derby. Leo, UFC 274. XFL Gym, USFL. And Brandon, NASCAR. We're covering six different things. Absolutely loaded. First three guys, Anthony... Sterling and Gino recorded a little earlier in the week, microphone issue. We should be good to go now. I've done a couple interviews with Leo and the other guys, and everything is good to go. So again, my apologies for the audio issues. Please remember that while you're listening to these. I am sorry. I will be better. Wow. It's been a great week of sports. We have a loaded, absolute loaded, loaded, loaded weekend of sports coming up. So let's jump right into it. Kentucky Derby is tomorrow, guys. Um, Gino. My ride or die. God, you probably, you know what? I was thinking about this when I was working out this morning and don't take that the wrong way that I was like all sweaty riding a bike. Thinking about me, right? At that moment. Um, Yeah. You, you like, I probably talked to you the most out of anybody. And (laughs) um, my friend Dan, who likes, likes you a lot. If you ever get married, he, he already informed me he's going to be my plus one just so he can meet you. (laughs) That's no problem. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, uh, how are you doing today? Dude, big week for you, man. This is kind of like your Super Bowl. Yeah, this is a big one. I love this week. Um, Kentucky Oaks Day is on Friday. Kentucky Derby Day is on Saturday. What I've been doing the last couple of years on my shows for these days and on the Breeders' Cup is I'll get a different guest to help me handicap one of the races leading up to the big uh, Oaks and Derby races. And then they also share uh, some quick thoughts on Oaks and Derby. So I had 11 interviews on Tuesday. 12 today you are my final uh uh interview that i was doing you and i recorded this a little bit earlier uh in the week and you're gonna play it a little bit later but that was my tuesday wednesday i had about 25 different uh interviews and between our nba shows and everything so i love it though it gets a chance to talk with all these different people that i know from horse racing that i've met through the years that i've worked with in different ways and i get to pick their brain a little bit and then i can kind of come to my conclusion at the end by talking with it's so funny because half the people like these horse, then the other half like these, yeah. and they hate this one. But I kind of uh, get a chance to hear from everyone, so it's cool. And I kind of feel like this this year is like more wide open. I mean, call me crazy, so like, and don't like I'm I'm not the best horse better in the world. I'll be the first first person at that. But I kind of feel like it's wide it open. It is. It is. There's like a there's a couple tiers. Um, so like our top tier is probably Zandon and Epicenter. Those are your two morning line favorites, the horses that are probably going to be head and shoulders above everyone else in the betting odds. And then after them, you have horses who are a little bit more, you have, uh, you know, some more questions about, you'll look around and you'll see, you know, maybe the Florida Derby winner, White Barrio, or you'll see the horses that come from Santa Anita, Messier and Taiba. They'll both probably take a, a good amount of support, but yeah, it, there isn't, some overwhelming favorite. There are probably two horses that are a little bit better than the rest right now or, or the most proven, and they're all chasing them. But I like one horse that 
isn't one of them. And then I think is actually going to float up a little bit. And, and we'll talk about that one in a minute. Okay. So let's pull up here. Um, let's just really look. We'll, we'll, we'll take these five at a time. Anyone in the first five? I know. I know. I heard this is considered kind of a little bit of a sharp horse. That's my horse. Whoa. That's your horse right there. Right up. We don't have to go far. That's my horse, Mo Donegal. Uh, and I think we are probably going to actually get a better price because of the rail. The, the rail draw in the Kentucky Derby is not a good draw. You generally don't want to get the inside because what happens, there's a field of 20. There are no other horse races throughout the year in in North America and the United States when they have 20 horses running. It, this is the only time. What that means is there's all sorts of traffic. Horses are bumping around all over the place. They're getting shuffled back. A bunch of horses that have plans. I want to be in this spot. Well, you're not going to be in that spot. So usually the rail is prop is like is not great because if everybody shifts over a little bit, the horse on the inside, they're going to get in some trouble. The way that Mo Donegal's running style is, though, I actually don't think it's going to really hurt him all that much. And he's the type of horse who a lot of people will just eliminate because they're like, oh, rail horse, I'm not going to use them. He wants to drop back. He's going to be from the middle of the pack to the back of the pack. And by, by having the rail, he should be able to save all the ground. And he won't be wide. I'm not the horses that I get worried about with the rail. Eric are the ones that are sort of fast, but not that fast because they go a little bit and then they get in trouble. A horse crosses over on them. They have to kind of grab a hold and they get stuck down inside in a bad spot. I just don't think that's going to happen to Mo Donegal. So yeah, we'll go through uh, plenty more in here and talk about, you know, horses that I think have a chance to win. And it won't be like I'm only using Mo Donegal, but if he is 10 to one or plus, I will absolutely be making a win wager on him. And I think he's going to be 12 to 15 to one now because he drew the rail. If he drew post seven or eight or and on, he might be eight to one and he should be the third choice in this race. That, he probably won't. Piggybacking what you said. If 10 to one is your breaking point, anything less, anything less than he won't, you won't be betting him. Yeah, eight was probably my breaking point. Because okay. um, one thing we got to be careful about too in horse racing versus like you and I bet football, right? Let's take an example. Like the line that opens up in football, if a team is a three-point favorite, you have the opportunity to get that line and grab that line at three points, right? In paramutual racing, it's a little bit different because what Mo Donegal opens up at, he may not go off at, right? Or you may have an idea of what he should be um, if you miss a number in football or in basketball or in a different sport, you feel like, damn, I missed a good number. I don't want to jump in on a bad number in horse racing. It kind of evens out. Like in my head, he should be eight to one. So as long as he's anything eight to one plus, I'm totally fine with jumping in on him, whether or not he started at 10 and gets bet down or whether he floats up to 15. Now, one of the horses I know, I already have in my mind, I love playing the pick five. I love going for the home run here in the Kentucky Derby. I, Messier is not going to be on any one of my pick five ticket tickets. Crazy. He is one that I'm, I'm hearing a lot of people warming up to more and more. And I got to be honest, I'm the Santa Anita person. I, I'm out here in Southern California. The two Santa Anita horses are the ones that I have kind of the most difficult time getting a real gauge for i think they're both talented messier and taiba 
and Taiba is the number 12. He's at 12 to one. And so they'll, they'll both be kind of in the same range of price, probably like the fourth, they'll, they'll probably be in the top five betting choices and right in that 10 to one range or so. Messier is a little bit more seasoned and you got to remember that Messier was a Bob Baffert horse and Messier. And I think the owners were trying to wait for a while. They weren't sure if Bob Baffert was going to be able to run his horses in the Kentucky Derby. So the, they waited to run Messier in the Santa Anita Derby, which was one of the last preps. They found out shortly before that Bob Baffert wasn't going to be able to run uh, horses. So they transferred him over to a different trainer. He runs for Tim, uh, Tim Yachtin now. I think because they were sort of waiting and waiting and waiting, Messier might not have been quite as sharp in that last race. I'm not completely cold on him. It, I would tell you if you like other horses leading up, like Messier may not be one that you just completely want to dismiss. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's in the mix there. So I, I wouldn't completely sell you on him and tell you to go bet him to win. But if you're playing a pick five and you're using four or five horses, you probably want to throw him in. Now, someone I'm going to use in my tries, and he's going to be my long shot when I throw in my pick fives and pick six. Tell me if I'm crazy. Crown pride. You are not crazy, my friend. You are not. This horse looks excellent on the racetrack. He reportedly is working out incredibly. Anyone that you talk to about crown pride, they won't tell you anything bad about this particular horse. But what they will say is that we... We've never seen a Japanese horse come over here and win the Kentucky Derby. We haven't seen very many international horses really have any success in the Kentucky Derby, like legitimate success. So it's one of those things where I think most people aren't going to give out a horse like this or go pick a horse like this until they've done it. But Eric, what I will tell you is the Japanese racing industry is incredible. They are way smarter than the United States industry right now. And like the North American racing industry, their breeding industry is incredible. It's one of those things where it's like, they built a great system from the ground up. The way they breed their horses is stronger and it's better. And it's smarter than the way we in America breed our horses. We we're all about flash and substance. We want horses to be really good and really fast when they're early in their career. But once that, what ends up happening is that hurts those horses. A lot of times they can't, if you're incredible when you're really young, you're probably not going to be incredible when you're older. It's just physically, you're probably not able to sustain it all the way through Japan. When they breed their horses, they do it the opposite. They breed to really strong, really foundation uh, horses with a lot of foundation. Heck they had great success in the do du- in Dubai this year. They had great success this year in uh, the breeders cup. It may not be this year with this horse. One of these next few years, Japan is going to win a Kentucky Derby and it's going to be a good thing for racing because then they're going to invest a bunch more money in and they're going to figure it, realize that they've got it figured out and it'll, it'll give uh, American racing in the breeding industry a little kick in the butt to realize they got to change some things a little bit because the way they're doing it isn't necessarily perfect. I'm using him in a lot of spots, Eric, throw him in your pick fours and pick fives for sure. Now he's 20 to one right now. Some offshore sites, you can lock, you can lock 20 to one. Based on I would I would lock him in that at right now okay. if you could, yeah. Okay. I wouldn't be shocked if he's like they call him the wise guy horse, you know, sort of like the buzzy horse leading up that people are talking to, and being a a horse who is a Japanese horse, there could be a lot of support and a lot of money 
for a horse like that uh, at the window. So yeah, if he like, I wouldn't want to bet him at lower than 15. That would be my line for him because you want to make sure that if a horse like this does win, that it's a big, it's a big price. If he were five to one, eight to one, 10 to one, I would say, ah, nah, we got to make him prove it. But at 15 to one or over, that's good enough value for me. Now, said how no horse from Japan or anything has won it. I kind of look at it. It's going to happen. You know what I mean? It's, it, it happened. Math wise, law of averages wise says eventually this is going to happen. Oh, why not this year? That's how I look at it. Why not this year? Um, Now we have our favorite jockeys. We all have jockeys. We like, I don't know how you feel about them. I like Floyd Giroux. Flor- Florence Giroux? Maybe, maybe it's just because I was at the the old school the old school derby. He was on a horse. Hawthorne? Trainer. Yeah, Hawthorne. Back in the day, Hawthorne. Um, I was there with my buddy Dan. Um, I forget what horse he was on. The trainer goes, What's up? He just looked at me and goes, he goes, Fun on a run. So <laughs> yeah, that's great. So that's great. I mean it, after that, this guy became my favorite. Became my favorite. History kind of choking up. That's you know, great. He didn't win it last year. I what is he won five or six? He's been there. He's done there. He's done on a price. Man, what do you think? Cyberknife. We're talking a little cyberknife here. A little so cyber. he was your Arkansas Derby winner, and I will tell you, Brad Cox is one of the best trainers. Period. Right now. He is on the top three to five, you know, you hear about the the big names. He is that next guy that has horses in every division, every level, horses that really, really can compete. I'm not quite as high on this particular horse just because I don't know if the, the Oaklawn races were that strong this year. Yeah. I'm not sure if that, that's my only concern is I don't really have any knocks on Cyberknife because he won those races pretty impressively. I just don't know if he's beat the strongest horses or competed with the strongest horses yet. So that's my concern. But again, he's not going to be a short price. I would not talk someone off of betting him because of that. He just won't be one of my top three or four. Now you mentioned how you're the Santa Anita guy. You know, we, I'm going to, to be, how you say his name? The Taiba. Tabiba. Um, I'm, I'm sure you have many, many rules when it comes to betting, the betting horse. My rule number one A is never single Mike Smith in a pick five. <laughs> um, Mike Mike Smith, how do you how do you feel about him? I actually uh, know Mike pretty well. Mike, he, he's it's funny, right? It's like any any athlete. Mike was Mike is one of the the older, more veteran jockeys now, and so Mike's been around for a long, long time. And you go through ups and downs and, and lulls. What would happen for a while was Mike was on the East coast. He was incredible. And then when he moved West and, and he became like the veteran rider, he was the go-to anytime you needed like a win rider, you'd go to Mike Smith. And then what happened, I think a little bit, like, you know, you get a little bit older, you, whatever the, the flow is, a couple new riders come in and you're not getting as good of mounts. He struggled for a little while. What's happened recently with Mike is that, a couple of the the jockeys in Southern California left Flavian Pratt, who we'll see on a lot of he Flavian Pratt, in my opinion, is the best jockey in the world. He's the best jockey in the United States and North America. He's absolutely fantastic. I would bet him and like I never am looking at races going, ah, he screwed that up. 
Like, if the horses don't win, it's because they're not good enough in the race. He puts them in the perfect spot. Fucker didn't want to run. Right? Exactly. Just didn't (laughs) want to run, right? Like, just didn't want to run. But he is absolutely the best, in my opinion. And what's been nice for Mike is that, you know, Mike doesn't ride every single race anymore. It's like when you're a vet, you get a little bit older, right? He gets to pick and choose and ride, like, the bigger races and stuff. But since Pratt left, and then Umberto Rispoli was another one of the top jockeys in Southern California. He also left. They've they've gone on because Southern California, smaller fields right now. There's just not as much racing. So they look for more opportunities elsewhere. It's actually worked out pretty well for Mike Smith. You could see, I think he's gotten rejuvenated a little bit because they've put him up on some better horses. He's on a horse like this, Taiba, who's got a chance to win the Kentucky Derby and is a, is a, a player in here. I... I don't think he'll win or lose. Um, and if it, if it was, it won't be because of Mike. I don't think it he, like Mike's got the experience in big races like this. So he'll, he'll give him a fine ride. He's only run twice. Taiba. Taiba has only run two times. He's trying to break all sorts of like insane records of this has never been done. This has never been done. Taiba just debuted on March the 5th. Oh, wow. He hasn't even been running for two months. Like, it, it would be he he won that race and then he went in the Santa Anita Derby in a race that he had no business winning and he won that race really nicely and really impressively. If Taiba feels to me like one of these horses, Eric, where we may be talking about on Saturday night after the Kentucky Derby, like this horse is a monster. He may win like impressively or just finish dead last, like way out of it. It might just be a little bit too much for him too soon. A field of 20, he gets bumped around a little bit. Can he overcome it? I, I don't, I see like one or the other of extremes for him. Um, When you're looking at these horses, do you just like, has a stakes race? Like if a horse hasn't won a stakes race, do you immediately just cut them from horses you're looking to bet on? No, because... The thing you got to remember is this is why we do what we do and we look at every game and we watch everything. Every stakes race isn't created equally, right? What one race might be a grade one, a grade two, a grade three, that grade three might be stronger than a grade one, just based on the horses who show up in that race and then how they perform moving out of that race. And sometimes a race on paper will look really strong and then a couple horses don't even fire. And we find out afterwards that they had some injuries. And now all of a sudden you look back at that race and you go, well, wow. If you were playing in a game and the two best players on what team got hurt, that team would be easier to beat. Right. So I think I like to really dive in and make sure it's like, like anything, it's no, no get rich quick scheme. It's just, you know, looking into each stakes and going, who was this horse that won? How good are they? What have they done since then? And that's how I can kind of stack them up. Now, I need to ask you about Barber Road here. Yep. Um, I, I I feel in a couple years we're going to be talking about this jockey as one of the best jockeys, jockeys country. I um, agree with, yeah. It is Gulieres, did I say it? Raylu? Yeah. Yep. Yep. This this is his first derby. Um, you know, Barber Road finished second in the Arkansas Derby, third in the Rebel. Um, 
is is crazy here. He is on every one of my tickets in the two, three, four spots. No doubt about it. And I probably throw him in on one or two pick fours, pick fives. Like he's not in my top three or four win candidates, but I'm pretty convinced that he's going to show up with a good effort. What I like about Barber Road is he is consistent and he's shown multiple ways that he can run with like running styles. He can adapt, right? He's shown that he can get into some trouble and he'll still come running. He hasn't won those races, but he's finished. Like you said, second in the Arkansas Derby, third in the rebel, third in the Southwest, second in the Smarty Jones or second in the, in the Southwest, second in the Smarty Jones. He's been in the top three in all of the art uh, of the Oaklawn prep races. And he's gotten bumped around. He's gotten shuffled. He's had to come from off the pace a little bit here and, and do different things. I like him a lot as a horse that could really spice up your exactas, your tries, and your supers. I think he could be a big price. You're going to get a good ride from Ray Lou Gutierrez. You mentioned him. I caught on with him last year at Sam Houston. He was fantastic uh, about a year and a half ago there. He was really, really starting to come onto the scene. And then what he's done in the last year and a half or so, he had a good meet at Colonial. He's been riding at Churchill Downs all over the place and, Big barns are giving him big mounts. Barber Road will be in my tries, supers. I don't know if he's quite good enough to win, but he's one of those really big prices that you're looking for to hit a nice trifecta or superfecta that could change the year for you. Now, when you so into this, like how how I bet now I'm gonna now this is my strategy. Tell me, tell me like where I'm right, where I'm right, where I'm wrong. I'm going to have a, um, what is it? Oats Derby, Derby double. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to have pick fives and pick sixes going. Yep. But if I'm alive, if I generally don't place a win wager, am I, am I, am nope. I? No. Yeah. And you don't. And I know you and I are probably like slightly different on this. Like I'm not really a hedger overall. You probably are more that way. Like if you've locked in a profit, I'm and and in horse racing, it's so hard to hedge. Yeah, I, not, I never hedge in horse racing. I mean, and because, I've never, I don't think I've ever done it in my life in horse racing because what do you do? You play all the other horses that you don't have. Then you're in a situation where you're really, you're like rooting against what you initially liked, right? It just puts you in this weird spot. If you're someone who, you know, it plays a big parlay and at the end of it, you want to lock in a profit in like a football game. I still wouldn't do that myself, but I would understand a little bit more, but in horse racing and stuff, it's hard. If you are alive in a pick three or a pick four going into the Derby and you've got one, the one horse you like, or a couple of horses in there, I, I don't think I would need to play a win wager either. Unfortunately, the last couple of years, I haven't been alive in anything going in. So I've had to g- go back to the well again and uh, press that deposit button a few too many times. Is there any horse that um, is in one of your tier one or tier twos? Sorry, let me rephrase it. Is there any horse that is, well, I'll say end to one or lower, that is just, just immediate away for you on the morning line? The horses that I don't like that will probably be the shorter prices in uh, in the Derby are, you know, the the more I'm looking at it, I don't think I'm going to be using Epicenter as much. I, I I don't I I don't think he got the best of the draws down there because the horse right next door to him 
I don't know if people realize how fast that horse is. That is a legitimate sprinter, the number four. And so if Epicenter does not break really fast and the four crosses over, he's one of those horses that I get a little bit worried about because Epicenter's always been either right on the lead or sitting really close. If something goes wrong for him and he's five lengths back, is he going to be able to deal with that? It's yeah. going to be a lot different than normal. Maybe he is, but I like to see horses that I, I know at least can adapt to that. I'm a little worried. If he was drawn 10 towards the outside, I wouldn't feel as concerned about him. But of the shorter prices, I think I'm a little bit more worried about Epicenter. And I think that there is a chance that I could see him getting in some real trouble and, and having to back up down towards the inside. And Rosario, for how good he is. He had unlu- bad luck last year in the Derby with Rocky World. I, Orb? He won with Orb, I believe. Yep. 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 Like, he just... He just doesn't really, you know what I mean? Like it's, and and it's, it's hard. Think about it. It's just hard to win. Like you could have the right horse in the perfect circumstance and everything. And like epicenter coming into this race, he is very deserving of being one of the best of betting favorites. He's absolutely deserving, but the way that it shapes up, he might get a bad trip. Epicenter would a hundred percent be a type of horse that would be really, really likely winner of the Preakness. With his running style, like in a smaller field, he'll be able to kind of get to the front and dictate the way he wants things run. But I get a little bit worried about him versus like Zandin. You know, Zandin's a closer. And so Zandin's going to come from the back. So he could absolutely get in some traffic and get in some trouble. But I don't think that'll really – he's still going to come running. Even if he gets stopped and he has to wait, 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 like he's going to be moving at the end. If Epicenter is stopped, I don't know if he has that, that late run in him. Which brings us to, oh my God, something I love to do. Bet online, one of my favorite sports books. Head to heads, baby. I'll offer these heads. And look at this first run right here. Epicenter and Zanin. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm leaning, I lean Zanin for sure. Um, I just, because of the draw, because of, Zandin, I'm the most, I did a fantasy horse racing draft uh, with a couple of my buddies. It it, it was pretty fun. We went through the 20 horse field. We did a little segment. Um, It was Matt DeSantis. I want to give him a shout out. It was his idea. And then uh, we just had four people since it's the field of 20. It was nice and easy. Everybody gets five horses and we just picked it like a snake draft. And so we, we were doing it with fantasy sort of points being awarded to horses that finish in like the top five or so. I think, I think even if you finish in the top 10, you get some small points. I'm the most confident in Zandon running a good race of any of the short priced horses. Now, does that mean Zandon wins? No. Cause I absolutely could see him be a little bit too far back, come running late and finish second or third, but I am pretty confident that he is going to have a good rally and be one of those horses in the top few. So if I had to lock myself into one of the short prices that I think is really going to show up, I'd prefer Zandin. Oh, this is the one I kind of liked here. Crown point overcharge it. I get crown point at plus 117. And what you're getting plus money. So I wouldn't talk you off that at all. And now do you like charge it? Charge it is. He's probably like 
if I have a one, two, three, four, he's probably like my fifth horse. He would be like my next tier of horses. I personally like, based on what they've done and the form and what I know, I like charge it a little bit more. But we're talking about a head-to-head matchup and odds, right? Do I want to lay the money with charge it versus get a plus number with crown pride. That wouldn't be my favorite one, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem with you going on the crown pride direction there. Um, a couple of these, I could, I could not get a feel for like smile, happy and simplification. I have no feel in this one, but I kind of like cyber knife over Zuzu's. Yeah, um, I would I would go I would go Cyberknife over Zozos too in that minus one twenty minus one ten. That's that's yep. fine right there. Zozos is a little more lightly raced. He's a little bit more unproven, so I'm not quite as high on him. I do think Cyberknife in basically what would be like an even head to head. I would lean that way. Um, the smile happy simplification one, like that seems right. So I wouldn't really want to go bet that one. Like that that seems accurate. I would lean smile happy a little bit oversimplification there um now this is just me being a gambler and you mentioned it a little early a little earlier 20 horse field craziness is going to happen horses are going to be bumping i really feel like you can't lay anything over minus 120 in these head-to-heads just with the randomness 100 percent, absolute and like in for example the pioneer of medina classic causeway what what's hard about that is like classic causeway is another one of those horses who he is one of the best starters in the field. He gets out of the gate really, really well. And like opens up, he's not quite as fast as everybody else after that. And I just don't think he's quite as good, but in a situation like that, I actually might prefer, I, pro- I might prefer classic causeway at plus money because he could get out of the gate and have, more, I think, more likelihood of not having trouble early. I could see Pioneer Medina having a little trouble early, and then there are going to be three or four of these horses that their chances are done. Done. One jump out of the gate. Yeah, because like craziness. No There's going to be crazy. Like, Everybody little- goes in and out, and ha- like two horses go out, two horses go in, and then one horse in the middle of them randomly gets pinned and shuffled back, and they just have no shot. Or like <laughs> everyone at the beginning. Yep. Um, moving down, moving down is another one. Um, you know, we got Tiz the Bomb and Tawny Port. Um, you know, I'm not really, you know, I'm not really high on these horses, but at minus 140, I mean, I feel like Tiz the Bomb would be the way to go here. Yeah, I, I, I probably wouldn't jump in on that one myself, but I would, I would no doubt lean Tiz the Bomb there. I would absolutely lean Messier in the Messier White Barrio matchup there. Why is, why is that? Um, I don't really, really know if white Abario is, I, I, it's funny. Cause I don't have any knocks on him. I just don't think he's quite as good. Messier is a little flashier and I think Messier is a little quicker. Um, and kind of like I, what I was saying with him, I feel like what was going on with Baffer might've been reflected a little bit in his preparation heading into the Santa Anita Derby. They were all wondering, are they going to let Baffer get uh you know run these horses he's gonna appeal are they going to give him the opportunity to so i feel like he could be a little bit sharper here i would lean messier in the in the head-to-head white barrio at a at minus 115 now we got your horse against charge it you know 
I'd rather just go bet yeah. the horse to win at a yeah. right at 10, 15 to one, you know, <laughs> than play uh, that one. Basic pick them here. You know, happy Jack, happy Jack, Eero. Um, these two might be the two longest shots in the field. That's why that's a funny, that's a funny uh, matchup because they honestly, both of those horses should be a hundred to one in the Kentucky really? Derby, but we don't ever see horses that get up to that price anymore because everybody that's betting the race wants to bet a few bucks on the longest shot in the field, yeah. you know? So everyone that's playing is like, Oh, look, that horse is 50 to one and they go bet them. So horses don't even get up to that price for the most part anymore. Um, what about? Oof! Now these are chalky. Like... Okay, there we go. Modonigal in the plus money against Messier. Absolutely, I would take that one. You you take that one, that one hands down. Yeah, the plus one hundred four over the Messier minus one thirty five hands down. That's so one of my... out, of, out of everyone that we've gone through. So that's my favorite one. This is the that one I've seen off the board. Okay. Yeah, that, that was the one because I like Modonigal, and I'm not completely against Messier like he wouldn't shock me here but he is not one of my go-to three or four horses and Modonigal is one that I really really like so that that's for sure I mean I would go smile happy overcharge yeah. it and that's another one for sure, sure. If, if smile happy would have he finished second in the bluegrass behind Zandon if he would have beat Zandon in that race now it wasn't like it was all that close like Zandon won the race nicely but they finished first and second when they raced against each other in the uh, in the race right before in the Risen Star, Smile Happy finished in front of Zandon, and Zandon had a little bit of trouble that day. If Smile Happy would have won the Bluegrass, he would have been like six to one in this race, and because he finished second, he's like twenty to one. He might be one of the bigger overlays if he ends up going off around twenty to one, because I do think Zandon's better. But Smile Happy might be able to get a little bit of a jump on Zandin. He's got a little bit more speed. He's not, like, fast. He's not going to be right up with the top group, but he can sit a little closer than Zandin. So, yeah, I like the the those two back-to-back right there, the Modonigal Messier and the Smile Happy Charge It. Those are two of my favorite ones that I've seen that have jumped up. Yeah, uh, Cyberknife against Crown Pride. I'd probably lean Crown Pride there, honestly, yeah. of those of those two, those at, two. at the better price. I I would actually go simplification in the simplification Zozos. What's nice about simplification is he was in all of the Florida prep races and he's shown you kind of like what we were saying with Barber Road. He's shown you like different ways to that he can run. He can yeah. show some speed. He got he was in one race where he completely missed the start, but he still ran second. And that's the kind of thing that could happen here. So I like that he's actually been a horse that's encountered some trouble, that's had trouble, and he's overcome it. Unfortunately, the the kind of trouble that our uh, Dallas Mavericks are running into. You know, uh, I Dallas just I, I I just saw a score. You know, I just of, looked over too, and I was like, "What? Is this a nine to nothing?" I just looked down, like, "Oh no!" <laughs> but it's early. It's early. early. It's We're still it's only early. three behind our covering, right? It's, so it's early. It's early. Um, you know, there's your, you know, there's your mole again, dude. Oh, summer is tomorrow. Getting plus one forty five against Barber Road. That that's sort of interesting because. This is a fast horse, man. Summer is tomorrow. He's a he's not like one of those international horses that has shown a little bit of speed, maybe, but their type of speed is not like American speed. And he's different. He is really fast. He's a sprinter, and he could I don't think he can win the race. He could make this entire race change in two seconds. Because of the pace. 
if he yeah. just flies out, gets over, puts Epicenter on the rail, everything changes. Because now you're all chasing him. Horses are starting to get shuffled back. He's going a little bit faster than some of these other horses want. So now people are going, I want my horse to sit third or fourth. Well, if a horse is going really fast, you're not sitting anymore. You're chasing. Now all these horses are going faster than they want, and everything just falls apart. Um, Moving down a little bit. Okay, there's the end of that. So what I want to get from you is this. Who are you betting on to win? What is your exacta? That that's that that's my those are my last two questions for you, my friend. Win wager, Mo Donegal, uh, no doubt about it. And like I said, eight to one is is my value line on him. So anything over eight to one on Kentucky Derby Day, um, I'm fine with with jumping on in. And what's nice, like if you're watching this when the Kentucky Derby, you don't have to bet if you're someone who just is watching the Derby with your friends. Maybe you don't play racing all the time throughout the year. A horse like Mo Donegal, he's ten to one. 12 to one, 20 bucks, 10 bucks, right? It's a hundred bucks. That's 200 bucks back. If they win, you can have a little bit of fun. You're not going to, if, if he has a bad start and the rail is bad for him, you're not going to feel like you, you lost the whole bunch, but you get a little bit of action along the way. Maybe you pick a few other horses that are big prices and you put like you would play in a future wager. You know, you tr- you pick out some of the big prices that you think might be a little bit undervalued or that might be a little overlaid. I'm looking at, um, Zandin is a must use for me in the, um, in, in all exotics. So Zandin Modonigal will definitely be, those are, those are my top two. No doubt about it. They'll be in, in all of my exotics and every pick three, every pick four, any exact as tries supers that I play it, There might be I'm trying to think one or two I mean, more. My boy crown crown in there. Yeah. Your, your boy crown pride in the mix. Um, let's see who else am I like, I'm warming up more and more to Taiba, you know, as the, as, as the days as, are as, getting as, closer. As, 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 now, yeah. Um, how are you playing this exacta? Let's say it's Taiba in it. Um, are you going to play it where it's your two choices and then the four, the those two, and then Taiba and Crowd Pride underneath? I will probably play. Yeah, I'll probably do one where I go something like all over Mo Donegal and uh, you know Mo Donegal and Zandin. Play another one where I go like Zandin and Mo Donegal overall. So if the, one of those two horses wins, I can hit it and maybe have a bomb. I'll do that maybe once, just one time, especially in the Derby because I'd love it if I one of my top two horses won and then something crazy happened. Oh, I, I'd love that, like- right? I, I, if I a love bomb him. gets in there because, like, because like Anything, the prices can be huge. The the combinations there's so many different combinations that if you get one of those, so I'll press my opinion in some spots to where if one of those horses wins, I'll hit an exacta there. Then I'll come back the other way. Like I said, I'll, I'll probably play all of them, everybody over my top two in case they run second and a bomb hits. I'll capitalize. But the horses that I'll probably build um, a lot of the exotics around. Mo Donegal, Zandin, um, Taiba, I'll throw in uh, Simplification, who we mentioned a, a little bit here and there. Um, I mean, and Smile Happy is kind of that next one for me, who I'm I'm really thinking that he should be 10, he should be more like 12 to 1. And so everything that he is over that is is just a little bit, he's kind of like a forgotten horse. 
right now. Um, so he, he's one that I'm going to probably be using a little bit more too. But yeah, for me, uh, Mo Donegal, Zandin will be uh, a lot of what my tickets are built around. Built around. So you mentioned Mo Donegal. Um, now, what would kind of be your cutoff price to play him across the board? Eight. Eight, eight to one. Oh, so that's my that's my value line. If he's if he's seven to one, I'm going nah. Because then he, then it starts if he's it, it, he's yeah, if anything above, I'm fine with it. I I don't mind as much playing in the derby a few bucks across the board. Like I'm more of just a win wager person okay. myself. Um if and if I like a horse that's a big price, that's where I'll play exactas and tries and supers and try to sort of set it up, like I said, to get them involved there. Um so someone like me that likes on pride your suggestion would be to play a win yep i would i would suggest i would suggest you play a win on crown pride if you play some of your doubles right your Mm -hmm. oaks derby doubles throw him in the win end also and then i would say if you if that's your horse that you like maybe you pick him and uh you, you do one exacta or trifecta sort of like i was saying you put everybody on top of him and you you make you, you look for a couple of the matchups, a couple of the head to heads, but there's if you get him at fifteen to one, like we're saying, you're 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 ten bucks, you're one hundred fifty dollars right there. You're twenty bucks. You're picking up three hundred if Crown Pride wins right there. If you're able to score one of your doubles yeah. and connect it with the Kentucky Oaks, and and if you were looking to do that, I I thought uh maybe Secret Oath and p- possibly Nest are uh, a couple of horses there to include if you wanted to price maybe nostalgic, but yeah, I think. Um, the win wagers, especially in the Derby, you know, you know, it's great play one small little trifecta, one small little superfecta with the horses that you like. Cause if they came in in a crazy order or play your address number or something like that to give yourself a little lotto, a lotto free roll. Cause this is one of the few times throughout the year where you can actually make a real life changing score on this day by, by just getting lucky in one of the pools. Absolutely, absolutely, my friend. Uh, I, I will, I will take care of you, and I will be going to Vegas afterwards. Um, Gino, thanks for coming on. Why don't everyone with you find you on social media? It's me, Gino B. Give me a follow on Twitter. You find this guy Eric with me on my podcast. That that's what G said podcast each and every week. He helps me talk football, and then we transition from football season into basketball. We've previewed every football game over the last couple of years. Even if it's games that we aren't diving into betting, we'll we'll break it down and we'll we'll tell you what we would do, or maybe leans, or maybe numbers we are looking for. Uh, everything that we've got going at better than Vegas. Make sure to give that give us a follow over there at BTV Bets. Uh, Eric, I know you're going to be doing a, a lot more stuff with them coming up in the, in the next few months because it's yeah. a little bit of like a, a slower time with the mainstream sports when basketball finishes up and it's just baseball around. So uh, I know you're uh, you're one that does a lot of uh, NASCAR on here. You do uh, UFC. You've been talking at USFL. So looking forward to working more with you uh, over at Better Than Vegas. I'm looking forward to it, to it too. And you know what we got next week? NFL schedule release, man. Oh, that's fun. That's where we can really, once we see the schedule, then we can make some wagers. Then we can start diving into some stuff. Gino, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. I know you have to make an airport airport run. You squeezed me in. Anytime, buddy. forward to talking to you Thursday night. Yes, sir. You know, if uh, hopefully we can uh, 
we can get some winners, my friend. Good luck. Anyone ever has any questions about horse racing, feel free. It's me, Gino B. Just reach out. If you catch me on a good day, I'm great. If you catch me on a bad day, I'm an ass. So it just depends. After you the know. Dodgers lose. Not I was going to say, if, if people are riling my feathers about Anthony Davis and LeBron, then you, you, know, you don't want to get at me. But most of the time, I try to be pretty nice. Let's, get, let's make some money, brother. Let's do it. Good luck, everyone out there this weekend. I'd like to thank Gino Bacala for coming on. Guys, if you're not following Gino, at Gino B, make sure you are. I would also like to apologize for the audio. I have no idea what's going on. Like I said, we went on Twitch last night live. Usually the audio is great on Twitch, on StreamYard, because I record the video on StreamYard and then transfer it over here and everything is hunky-dory. No idea what's going on, so I apologize for the audio. I'm doing my best to clean it up. Now we're going to shift our attention we're going to talk some NHL playoffs. Well, we reached the podcast. We're going to talk a little NHL hockey. And we have a first-timer. First-timer on, on the podcast. Anthony Atoms. Anthony, how you doing today, my man? Man, doing great. Thanks for having me on, Eric. I'm pumped to uh, talk some pucks with you. You know what? I'm always looking for people to talk sports to. I do. I always love having you do people come on here, getting to meet people, meet people. And I, this is what social media is about. Media is about. Yeah, some- absolutely. Bounce ideas off and just kind of see like, because because I'm from it. You can learn anything. Learn anything. I've been reading gel blogs and, and impress all my man. Why don't you tell you tell everybody what NHL blogs that you blogs that you that you've been putting out. Yeah, so a few years back, I uh, I started my website or blog, however you want to refer to it as uh, atownzone.com. Mainly focused around hockey. Uh, Every day I go through the entire slate of every game and I sit there and do a whole breakdown of each game, whether I'm betting it or not, just breaking down my expectations for it, um, comparing the two teams in each matchup, uh, and then ultimately giving my picks on those games that I bet behind every night. Um, I love gambling on the NHL. Most years uh, I have been successful this year. I finished the regular season up around 95 units, I think. Uh, which is pretty good for everyday NHL. My my eyes is dude, eyes is dude. You're doing it right. Anything over zero. You know right? what I mean? You're in the green. You're doing it right. You're doing it right. I mean, because this is it's a grind. And in my two hardest sports to bet, to bet, NHL and MLB. Yeah. No, I mean, two hard, two hardest sports. Anyone that can do good, you know, you got my respect, my man. Yeah, like so, for me, I 100% agree with you on that baseball is by far the hardest sport to bet. But for hockey, I think I just watch enough of it. Like even as we're recording, I got both games on in front of me. Um, but I feel like I watch enough hockey that it makes it more natural for me. Or everything now, else. Did you do play growing up? I played a little bit. I played like rec league hockey. Never played any um, – like, I never played any travel teams or anything. I was just, like, house league and stuff. I actually play lacrosse. Uh, indoor box lacrosse is my main sport. And then hockey was just, like, the fun mess around kind of sport. Okay. Now, you also talk beer. And, yeah, I do. And, yeah, I do. Um, you know what? I could actually go for beer right now. Unfortunately, I, I don't have any have any in my, <laughs> in my water bottle. Uh, fortunately, fridge. You write a beer blog. Why don't you tell everyone a where that a where that came from, and when those come out? Yeah. So with the uh, I do my what I call brew reviews. Uh, I try to post one every day. Sometimes, like I'm also big into athletics and fitness. So 
drinking beers along with that every day doesn't go great. So I try to bank a lot of them, but usually I'll post, um, I'll post one a day. And actually the way I started that was during when COVID first started and every sport shut down, I still wanted to make some kind of content where like before it was entirely all gambling, mainly NHL with some PGA thrown in there. I, every week I break down uh, the PGA tournament for the week and give my whole analysis of that, which I approach completely differently than hockey. Um, but I've been also pretty successful at that. I try to stick with them. Um, with what I'm decent at, you'll never see me posting basketball blogs or even NFL blogs, even though I watch the NFL every Sunday. I know I suck at gambling on it. So, so yeah, that's why it. I don't bet, don't bet baseball. Like I, baseball is the one I struggle on the most. And that's why you'll rarely see, see me. I'll bet. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, like baseball, I'll like, I'll tail people and stuff like that. But I won't be making picks myself on baseball. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, yeah. I'm basically the same way. But um, yeah, so when uh, when COVID started and there was no sports to write about, I still wanted something, uh, some kind of content. And I like doing the video stuff, so I figured a quick, like, three-minute video reviewing all these crazy craft beers I get would be a fun thing to do. And then when sports started up again, obviously my main focus went back to writing hockey every day. But – I still thought I still thought it was fun to do the beer blogs every day. So every day I try to review a nice craft beer. That's hey, you know what? I found them entertaining. I like them, and I I suggest going out. No, no, give it a try. Try, you know, because Anthony's bringing the content, and that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. In to these NHL play NHL playoffs. Um, the first series we're series we're gonna jump to now. Granted. I didn't watch any of the game last night. I no, actually, I take that back. Back. I I watched three, and I just live bet the under under of nine and a half the game, and went to, to bed. Um, Avalanche against the Preds. I mean, I'm looking looking at it right now. They're a plus one fifteen fifteen to come out of the. That was damn impressive last night. Yeah, I mean. I figured that, especially with UC Saros out, at least for the first two games, and we don't know how many games he's going to be missing for the Preds. I figured without them, it would be a pretty easy series, at least. Like, I have the Avalanche to win it in five games or less, actually. Uh, so I figured it would be a pretty easy series. I by no means thought they would come out and score five goals in the first period. I mean, the, the Avs put on a clinic. Early, yeah. they just wrote it out to win seven to two. You don't see that often in a playoff game. But I mean, the Avs going into the playoffs were like, like plus three hundred twenty-five favorites to win the yeah. cup. Like yeah. you can't even bet that at that kind of odds. Like the fact that I bet, I think if UC Saros was expected to start for the Predators, who could steal a game or two, or I don't expect David Riddick to do that for them. Without that, I probably would have zero action on that on that series because there's just no value behind any of it. But the way that they impressed yesterday, like I'll definitely jump right back on. Yesterday I had one and a half units on the Avalanche team total over four, which hit last time period. And so I'll definitely be jumping back on that again. Uh, betting on the abs, even like just in regulation, is so expensive that I'd rather – 
tackle it with the team total, but especially if David Rittich starts in that for the Predators, I'll be all over that Predator, all over that Avalanche. Yeah. Now, over and probably the game over as well. There, two things. Number one, number one, you might you mentioned win four one. Mm-hmm. Preds are going to be a dog even at home. Yeah. Do you think you think this the strad going into game three game three look to bet a first period like like Preds first period or Preds game, Preds game or you can probably even get minus one twenty or plus on the on the puck line a plus one and a what should be our should be our strategy when the Preds go home? So I expect the Preds to go home down two nothing in the series, which really isn't a big deal. Like I mean. They always say that a series doesn't start until you lose at home, which I'm kind of neutral on that. I feel like you do sort of have to steal a win sometimes in the first few games, depending on the matchup. But the way I would bet the Preds would be entirely dependent on if UC Saros is confirmed back in goal again. I think goalies are a huge part of betting hockey. So if for some reason it starts – as soon as so your advice is for the people people watching or or, or listening to this seeing this as soon as he announced in goal look to back back the press yeah I wouldn't back the money line I would probably go with um I would probably go with the puck line like you said or we'll just stay off of a side and just go with the uh with the team totals on probably the avalanche and then the over if I'm on the avalanche team total and I expect the Preds to be able to steal away a win. I think they have to do it in like a four, three kind of grind of a game. Um, And if that's the case, I think I would rather bet the over. I just think that the avalanche are such overwhelming favorites in that series that I could see them sweep, but the puck line gives you a little more safety there where if you could get it at around even money or even minus 130-ish, it's probably yeah. worth that. There's still value there. Yeah. Um, the next series we're going to go to, and hey, someone here has the blue 50 to one, man. Uh, Blues against the Wild. Um, they actually, we're recording this, recording this, we're actually live now on Twitch on Wednesday night, and that puck, puck, is dropping a little less than an hour from now. Yeah, I think fifty minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifty minutes. Um, impressive four zero win for the Blues. Yeah, that that one kind of surprised me. I had the Wild in Game One, especially in Minnesota. Uh, uh, and like you said, it was a completely impressive game. I mean, David Perron scoring a hat trick, and then Billy Huso getting a shutout against a really good Wild team. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was actually my most anticipated series of the first round. It still is. I think that's by far the best matchup. And I feel bad for either Wild fans or Blues fans. Like, whoever gets eliminated from that series could have gone on a run to win the Stanley Cup. Now, do you feel whoever wins this series has a shot against Colorado? I do, actually. I just think the West is so... Heavy. I know we haven't gotten into it yet, but like I think Calgary is a dark horse to win the not even a dark horse, but I think Calgary has a really good shot at winning the Stanley Cup. Um, I'm sure we'll touch on that series as well. But the Wild Blue series, I think either of them could easily go to the 
Western Conference Finals and give the Abs a good series. For some reason, there's just something about the Abs where I think they obviously could win the Stanley Cup. Anyone that watches hockey sees that. But for some reason, I just if I had to pick a team to win the Cup, it wouldn't be them. Now, now this is my this is my thing. Now tell me if this tell me if this statement makes sense. I feel feel with who they are, they already have won a cup by now. Right, exactly. You know what I mean. So are they are they just built are built for the regular season season or like they can piece it to, together to able to win these series series. I feel like they're gonna have a tough go at it. Like I don't think, like I said earlier, I don't think they're worth the plus three twenty five to win the cup. Like I think to get through four series against the best teams in the NHL. That's tough to do. And something they haven't done. Done. I mean, they haven't even made a final yet. Yeah, you're right. They haven't won. The- they, they haven't even made a final. And I don't know. Like, I just I just kind of – part of me, when I look at them, I feel it's a team I want to target, want to target to fade just because they've shown me they can't, they can't do it. You know they can't. You know they can't do it in the playoffs. I think they're just a regular season team, as crazy as crazy as it's. That's actually how I feel about the Leafs more than the Colorado. Oh, I feel the same way about the Leafs. Did you but, bet the Lightning tonight? I did bet the Lightning tonight. I did not. <laughs> I did too, too. They're up two nothing right now. I did too. Uh, we'll get. We'll get. We'll get to that reason. But um, yeah, I mean, I. I sort of agree with you that the Avs could be like a built to dominate the regular season kind of team, but like they got better in the off season, bringing in uh, Darcy Kepper in goal to replace uh, Phil Grubauer, I think was a great move for them. And Kemper was great in goal this season for them. Um, it's just, can they put it all together at once? Like if their offense is firing, like it was last night, scoring seven goals in a Stanley cup playoff game is their defense and their goaltending going to hold up to be able to do that again um, and put it all together for four series. Like it's a long run to win the Stanley cup and they got to put it all together. Like, I think if they don't do it this year, or at least don't make a real good run at it, like, like go to at least seven games in the Western conference finals even if they lose that, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's a failure of a season, but they have to put it all together to be able to yeah. win eventually because this is going to expire. There's going to be a, a – like as soon as that first line of Landis, Cog, McKinnon, uh, and Rantanen, I think, is the other one on that line. Um, as soon as that's gone and then their back ends – get paid, like they're going to lose guys in the next few years just like Tampa. Yeah, their window's closing. Like you, know, you know, you know, capitalize on that and win the cup. Otherwise, it's going to be a disappointment for them and their fans. But, but if there's ever been a season that they look like they could win the Stanley Cup, it, it's, sure. it's definitely now. Um, you match Flames. Flames. Uh, they won Game One on Tuesday against against. There's one nothing nothing. Um, old and just kind of a defense, kind of a defensive grind. Fact. Um, you're very high on this Cal- Calgary. Do you think the Stars have a shot, a shot in this, or do you think it's going to be like a four-two-four-one Flames thing? No, I mean, I do think the Flames win it in five or six games. I do think the Stars will get at least the win at home. Um, and even yesterday's game was real close. I mean, a one-nothing grind of a game. 
you're only a shot away with like dumb luck to if you get like a quick little tip in of the puck that the goalie has no ideas coming, that's a tie game. And then who knows what happens. So I had the flames in regulation yesterday and it was a sweat for me to watch. Um, But I do have them to win the series in six games. That's actually my heaviest series, but I have three units on that one. Um, And the way I structure series bets, I usually do a larger series bet and then kind of pace after at each game. Um, I think the, like Dallas just plays boring hockey. Like they don't score a whole lot. They're in the bottom third of the NHL in scoring. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember exactly what it was. I broke that down in the blog earlier this week. Um, and then their defense isn't all that spectacular to me either. Um, so I do think Calgary wins it in six games. But a few years ago, in the bubble, when Dallas went to the cup finals against Tampa and lost, when Tampa won their first cup, uh, their first their cup first. out of these two in a row. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't think Dallas had a chance at all to make it to the finals, and they went on a great run to do it. So, so could they capture that, like, magic in a bottle again? Yeah. I just don't see it. Just the way that they series, but not like, but not like long term. Right. I think they could win a game or two, but they're not going to do anything down mm-hmm. the stretch. So I don't really give them any chance to win the series. I just think they can steal a game or two away um, in that kind of slow, grind it out kind of game. And for the, I think that's more of an indicator too on the Flames and how good the Flames are. The Flames' offense is. Incredible. That first line of Lindholm to Chuck and Johnny Goudreau, those guys all scored 40 goals this season. Like, that's unheard of. For that's insane. That is absolutely line. insane. 40 goals each is mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. And then you look on their back end, and they're the second – they allowed the second fewest goals in the end. second or third fewest goals. I don't know if the, if they finished second or the Rangers finished second, but – Close up there, top three in fewest goals allowed. And then Jacob Markstrom, if it wasn't for Igor Shesterkin on the Rangers, Markstrom would be the easy Vesna winner this season as the best goalie in the NHL. I mean, the guy had like nine shutouts this year and just did it in game one of the playoffs yesterday. That's huge. So I just think Calgary has everything all put together so well. And Daryl Sutter, I think, should be the of the year out there. Um, and just everything cohesively in the way they play. I know that a cup hasn't gone to Canada in, since the 80s, I want to say. It's been a while, man. It's been a while. The 90s, I can't remember exactly. But I think if there's any team that's going to do it lately, Calgary has a great chance to do it this season. Um, they're another one that there's not a team value in either. Like, I mean, plus 600 or plus 650 going into the, the playoffs, not great betting wise when you got to go through four series. That's just not a type of future. Like. If they get, if they get going, like how like hype, they, they're going to start as dog dogs, the flames. If they lose the game, lose the game one, you know, you're going to be able to get them at a great, great price. Yeah. When they yeah, they're, they're a good spot to jump that, on. That, like betting wise, that's kind of how we have to look to bet teams like the, like the Flames or the Av. They get down in the series, series, series price, or look at the um, the future market. Next yeah, and to go on that even more, I mean, 
Toronto just scored there. Um, to go on that even more, like the Flames have to play the Colorado Avalanche in the Western Conference Finals, most likely, mm-hmm. if another team doesn't knock off the abs. So that's a really tough Western Conference Finals series. If that happens, that could arguably be a better game than the Stanley or a better series than the Stanley Cup Finals, depending it, on exactly. Um, next one last year to me. My 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 baby Kings cashed a nice little plus one six plus one sixty six for me in the opening game against Edmonton. Edmonton had a, like a blunder to lose the, to lose the game. Um, there's certain teams like teams like watch. And I just say to myself, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. Yeah, so I and felt that, that, that that's yesterday. I lost on the Oilers game yesterday. But, ironic, or is that game yesterday? Or, yeah, yeah. Monday, I mean. Uh, I fell into that Monday and lost on the Oilers. But that was the best game on Monday night, by far. Oh, by far. But I guess my, my point is this, is you – if you look at roster, you look at roster, the Oilers roster, the Kings roster. You know what I mean? What I mean? Yeah. That's my point. And I just feel that that the oil Oilers, like the, the, they're they're not as they should be. I guess that's my statement. Right. So I I see the Oilers very similar to how I see Toronto, but at a lesser level. So I think Toronto is a better team overall than the Oilers, but. I've said it before, and so I'm a big Sabres fan, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like the, we wanted McDavid more than anyone. Like we tanked for McDavid, did the whole um, like the McDavid Eichel kind of comparison. And although McDavid's made the playoffs a few times with the Oilers now, and mm-hmm. the Sabres haven't made the playoffs since 2011, well before the McDavid and Eichel year, Oilers still haven't gotten out of the first round. And I think there's a clear caught reason for that. Like, I don't think they're choking. I just think they're the way the Oilers are built is just bad. Like there's, they're definitely playing better since they, uh, since Jay Woodcroft took over as their head coach. Um, but like they have McDavid and Dreisaitl who are two of the best players in the entire league, but they don't have enough depth behind them. And like Evander King's playing good since he got there and Mike Smith played great in goal for them in just the closing stretch of the season, but their defense was bad. Their goaltending was bad for most of the season that even though I took the Oilers to win this series and knock off the Kings, I don't see them getting past that. Like second round, no matter who they would match up with, I would be betting against the Oilers. Like, I just don't think the Oilers are a good enough overall team. One player can't win a Stanley Cup. One player can't even win a series. So, like, even if McDavid and Dreisaitl take over a game and somehow find a way to win, when you have a bad back end and you have bad goaltending and there's no scoring depth behind your first line, you're just not going to win that way. Like, that's just not how hockey works. Where I, like you said, I just don't trust the Oilers whatsoever. I did take them to win the first round. I just think they're so – I think L.A. is a really good matchup for them. And Hey, I had L.A. plus 400 to make, to make the playoffs, so I'm, I'm ecstatic that, yeah. that, that, that future yeah. hit. Yeah, and I listened to your uh, pre 
playoffs pod with uh, I forgot what his name is. Bullet Jason. 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 Like the value he got on some of his futures are insane. Like that's yes. awesome yeah. that yeah. you guys have those to ride out. So uh, uh, that's huge that you guys have those prices. I would love to have that on Florida. Um, I know we haven't touched on that series yet. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Like I think LA is just a good matchup for the Oilers to be able to beat in the first round. But after that, I don't see a whole lot out of the Oilers. Now we're going to shift to the East. It's kind of hard right now, right now, because when we're recording kind of how, how can, how can I say this? How the Boston, whoever wins, wins this game between Boston, China and Toronto, um, on Tampa Bay, is going to kind of determine where determine goes in my eyes. Yeah, definitely. Can we go back though to the Wild Blue series? We didn't really touch on that enough. I think. I think. Can we go back into that? Yeah, we can go that. What do you need? To, what do you need to touch on? So that was easily my most anticipated series of the playoffs or of the first round, rather. Uh, I actually have that series to go seven games, and I have a few props on them as well for both the Blues to win it in seven games exactly. Uh, the wild to win it in six and the wild to win it in seven. So I really want, and Tampa just scored again. Let's go. Um, so the way that the blues dominated game one on the road in Minnesota, I don't really see that happening tonight. I expect Minnesota to get that win back tonight. Um, and even the series going to St. Louis and then, they have to steal a game away in St. Louis, I think. But I think that could be another really good betting opportunity. Like, if the Wild tie up this series, they should still be a live underdog during the series um, without home ice in games three and four. So I think there's a lot of ways that we could bet that. But I'm really anticipating tonight's game there. Like, I think that's a very evenly matched series that, could go either way, but I'm just hoping it goes six or seven games. Hopefully, seven. Um, um in so a really good matchup on the Rangers Pens game. Pens game. Yep. Winning game. Crazy. Um, game. I completely overachieved. I didn't. I didn't think they were playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. I just, just. How can I say this? Did they just overachieve and this is their seed now? Or do you or do you think this team could get through the Rangers? But I mean I mean beating the Pan the Canes or the Bruins, I think would be a lofty be a lofty goal. Yeah, I mean I mean I think and we haven't touched on it yet, but I think Washington was definitely the weakest team to make the playoffs out of the East. But uh, Penguins are right behind them. Like, I didn't think – I actually thought the Penguins would end up in the second wild card spot there. Um, but, yeah, I think that is their ceiling. Like, even if they make it out of this series against the Rangers, and I think they stole away game one in New York last night. Like, the triple overtime winner after a goal got disallowed on goaltender interference where – I got bumped into the goalie late in the third period for the Rangers. Like, I think that's such a coin flip of how that happens, especially when it goes into the third overtime of the game. Like, that's almost three game, or two full games that these teams played. That that's just yeah, yeah. But 
yeah, I would agree with you. And especially if their goalie is like, they're similar to Nashville where they're missing Jari. Um, I just don't see Smith and especially Louis Domingue being able to pass this Rangers team with Igor Chesterton in goal. Um, I don't really have a whole lot of expectations for the Rangers either, though. I think the Rangers are still a few pieces out and maybe a couple years out for being a cup contender or maybe even next year, depending on how they retool and who they add in the season. But, yeah, I would agree with you that. Like, if the Penguins do get past the Rangers, I would credit that entirely on that, like, veteran leadership of Sidney Crosby, who I still think is the second-best player Hockey, and really the second best player of all time, too, behind Gretzky. Um, second current behind McDavid. Uh, like, if Crosby, Malkin, Rust, and that offensive core take over and find a way to win that series, I think it's probably a bounce in the second yeah. round. I agree 100%. Um, and the Rangers, the Rangers, I think, have a great core that they're going to build on and build on. Really be like you said. Future, but they're away. You know, they're, they're, they're ahead of schedule. You know what I mean? They're ahead of schedule. Yeah. yeah. If I was a Rangers fan, I'd be thrilled with where they are now. And they should win this series. Um, I just don't see them going much farther than another series, maybe. We're going to, like I said, the Canes, Canes are up 4-1 right now. Tampa yep. up 3-1. Three, up three, it's How we're going to attack these series kind of depends on what happens. These, these games are going to kind of dip over those. We're just we're just we're gonna go up to the there's capital capitals right now. Shocker of the first round. Shock shocker yeah, of the big time. caps. Um WTF, what happened? What happened. Yeah, like <laughs> I the game. The game I was huge on Florida yesterday. Like what 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 happened? Yeah, and I mean their offense, the Florida offense is incredible. Like I think Florida's a wagon. Every aspect of the game I think Florida's good at, like they're their offense was by far the best in the NHL this season and the regular season, like 4.14 points goals per game. That was easily the best. I think Toronto was second with like 3.8. So it was a significant step up in offense for the best offense in the NHL. Uh, But the one thing lacking for the Florida Panthers is that team and that franchise has not won a playoff series in, in I want to say, since the early 2000s. It's been um, a while. It's been yeah. also, remember, Quinn was there, and then all that black huff came out. Yeah. Yeah, and that blew it up, and they yeah, did does Because he, he has, the cha- has the championship pedigree coaching the Blackhawks. Does him not being there affect this? I don't think it does. I feel like that they're a good enough team overall that they could win the Stanley Cup. It's just they need to put it all together. And during the regular season, I think they led the NHL in comeback wins. Like, there were so many games. Like, I was watching them night in and night out because they were just so much fun to watch. And I kept betting them every game. Like, I would be on overs. I would be on their money lines, regulation lines, team totals. I was hitting Florida every way possible just because they're an electric team in every aspect of the game. Even their defense and goaltending is really good too. Like, I mean, Spencer Knight and uh, Sergei Bobrovsky are two really good goalies. 
their defense in front of them is great. Now they got Aaron Eckley back for the playoffs. But really what ultimately let them down yesterday in game one was their incredible offense only put up two goals. I mean, yeah. even with – I last night I had their team total. I had them win in regulation, and I had them uh, – and I had the game over, which was a little short of hitting. Um, so triple loser on that one for me. But, like, the way that they just couldn't put it together to score more than two goals on home ice against a very inexperienced goalie in VTAC Vanachat. Is That's bad. So they better figure that out game two. I'll probably actually be on the same exact bets again for game two. But if Florida doesn't win in game two at home and they go to Washington with Alex Ovechkin going up against them, like – that's tough. Great. So that might be a spot where if Florida loses game two, I might try to hit some. Um, I do have Florida to win the series in six games or less. But if they lose game two, I'm going to be all about Washington. I'll be, I think that should still have some good value to it. I would guess that's probably come if they're down two nothing. I mean, going into that series, I think they were they were minus four hundred favorites to win it. Yeah, it's gonna be close. It may be like a one, a one twenty, one one fifty, something like that. So well, if, if that's the case, I'll be all over the caps to hedge out of that. Yeah. Um, but I just don't anticipate that happening. I do think Florida definitely comes out firing hot. Their offense needs to get going. That's another one, like you said earlier. I can't remember which series you said it. I think the Colorado one. So maybe target first first period props, like first period overs or even first period team totals. Uh, uh, those are just set at one, one and a half. So uh, that would definitely be something I would look at for Florida tomorrow. That could probably have some value to it. Cool, cool. Anthony, man, man, dude, total rock star. Thank you. For, thank you for guys. Make sure you give them a follow. He's giving out content every, every single day. Hockey blogs, are insane, insane. Remind Anthony, Anthony, where they can find uh, on Twitter. Yeah, so uh, my website's atownzone.com, atownzone. Uh, and that's the same thing on Instagram and Twitter. And also, if you ever have any questions or anything, like if, if I don't get into a specific topic on a game and someone sees something in a game that they have a question on and want to run it by me, just feel free to send me a DM either on Instagram or Twitter. Twitter's probably the easier one to get a hold of me on, but always open to that. And thanks, Eric. I had a blast coming on this podcast to talk to some hockey. This is a man definitely going to have to have to have you on again, guys and girls, make sure you make sure you're giving me a follow and uh, maybe in a couple of weeks we can have you back on again, my man. Sounds good. And yeah, uh, maybe we can talk some PGA sometime too. Oh, for sure, man. Um, you know, let's hope the lightning close this out. Close this out, my friend. Yeah, I mean they're up three one right now, so that's pretty solid. Uh, solid score. Uh, we didn't really touch on those two series, but uh, going back to Boston, I'm not too concerned with the Bruins going into that game down two nothing at home. I mean, I mean, a series really doesn't start until yeah. you lose at home. Um, if Carolina wins game three, though. Boston's probably done. Um, And then Tampa and the Leafs, I think that series could go seven games. And I still give the Leafs 
Like, I just don't trust them. Like, yeah, yeah they're, they're in the boat. They, you just, you just can't, can't trust them, my man. Yeah. Um, and like, if Tampa steals this game at home or in Toronto, rather, and they go back home with a 1 1 series, I don't think Toronto's coming back from down 3 1. So, okay, my man. Thanks for the insight, and we'll talk soon, brother. Thanks, Eric. Much appreciated. Peace. Guys, that was Anthony A Town Zone on Twitter. And Instagram, make sure you give them a follow. Again, those, I'm sorry for the audio issues. I think I've come to the issue. My microphone, I guess, is old, and that is what it was causing it. So my apologies. My apologies to Anthony and Gino before for my shitty microphone that was causing the issues. So make sure you give Anthony a follow. Again, my apologies for the audio issues. Now we're going to shift our attention to the NFL draft. Now, one of the big things that happened last weekend was the NFL draft. And who better to come on than one of my rider dies? Mr. Silver Star Sparts himself. Sterling, how you doing, my man? You're you, you know, you're a Giants fan, dude. Those first two picks, man, you gotta be walking with your chin up and everything, man. Oh my gosh, the first two picks, it felt like a whole new era, you know. Oh, it was it was great. It was great to be post Gettleman era for me. So um this is this is always funny to me, and because the fact of the matter is, thirty-one percent of these young young that make it in the league make a career of this or this. So, three out of ten. <laughs> so you know what I mean. So everyone gives their NFL draft draft grades, and instead of you and I going through giving draft draft grades, thought we'd say who we thought good good drafts, bad drafts, and why, and then on top of that, who we thought. Um, it was the best, was the best pick and the worst pick. So, um, you know, I know some of them we agree, some of them we disagree with probably. Um, what is your first, your first team, their best, uh, their best draft? So the first team that I thought knocked it out of the park was the Baltimore Ravens. And it's so funny because last year I remember us talking and we were like, the Ravens always year after year, they just understand drafting. They don't overcomplicate anything. They're just like a good franchise that lets players follow them. They take that player and they understand draft value. So to get Kyle Hamilton after his slide, great pickup. And then to trade back into the first round and get Tyler Linderbaum, who's going to be like their center for the next 10, 15 seasons. What a steal. And then, David Ojabo, like he would have been a decent pick at 23, but then to uh, trade back so that they get him in the second round, just a steal. They knocked it out of the park for me. Um, My first one, and this is like going to be weird me saying this, the Detroit Lions. Um, Number one, they didn't stretch for a QB, QB, which I thought was huge. Not stretching for a QB I feel was great because – no one in this draft class is that good. Number two, Hutch fell. You got your dominant pass rusher, someone that will someone that will be able to come in, you know, get double digit sacks. And just by getting a pass rusher, it's to make the defense better. Number three, you traded up. You got Williams. Granted, he granted he wasn't he was like four on my board, but he's a field stretcher. He's someone that can go deep, deep, open underneath for St. Brown and um, Hutch, Reynolds. So you got that guy that can stretch the field, which is big, big, will allow underneath. 
Number three, they got my boy Pascal from Kentucky. Huge story. Cancer survivor. Learned how to walk. And, and able to do is stop the run. He's going to be a little bit of a hybrid. Play a linebacker. D-line. Love the, the pick. And then PFF graded Joseph, the safety fee from Illinois, as the top safety on the board. board. So, I mean... This is a great, great draft. I don't know what to do. I, I didn't know what to do on Monday. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I I, I didn't know what to do, what to do. Because I think we I think we had a good draft. So it was a little a little weird for me. Um who's who's your next um who's the next with a good draft? Speaking of it being weird, we talked about how the Giants had a great draft. We talked about how the Lions had a great draft. Another uncharacteristic team that had a good draft is the New York Jets. And granted, yes, they did have three first-round picks, so, um, but people forget it can be hard to hit with three first-round picks. Just look at the Raiders from a few years ago. Years ago. Um, but I feel like they knocked it out of the park. They got the cornerback one, um, Sauce Gardner, in my opinion. They got the wide receiver, or wide receiver one for me, Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson. And then Jermaine Johnson, to get him as late as they did, he was like a top-10 pick for some people on some people's boards, so that was a steal. And then they had great picks later on. Um, in the draft, they just they, their futures look bright. I, th- I think it's a good time to bet the over for the Jets right now at five and a half. The Jets also had one of my my best pick of the draft, which we'll, which we'll get to later. Which we'll get to later later. So, did you like the Lions draft? Oh, I loved it. Um, you and I talked weeks ago, and it was just like, just please do not draft a quarterback. Don't reach for anyone, and they didn't. And that's just going to make it so much easier for whatever quarterback they get next year. And next year has tons of talented quarterbacks from Will Levis to Bryce Young to C.J. Stroud. There's, it's a great quarterback class. Great quarterback. Um, now, my next team is one of those teams, you know, we talk about it always as well. I look, I look at this, the Saints' two biggest needs, offensive tackle – receiver they got who he was on he was at the top of my receiver on my board Ovale, Ovale, great run more importantly he's friends with michael thomas and michael thomas wants wants to play with now michael thomas will get on the field which is absolutely huge um number two they they lost armstead lost their tackle need to get a tackle need to get someone that can come in right away away got your boy from northern iowa Penny slot in right away, and then um, Taylor, the kid from Tennessee, he could come in and spit, spit, play, play special teams. Excuse me, but also he can also play safety. I think he's going to get some run in the back for the back four. I think he's able to come in and fill those needs in in the back four that the, the Saints have. I think the Saints knocked it out of the park. Uh, here's where I'm going to disagree with you a little bit here. I thought the Saints had a good draft. I see, I saw in most of the mock drafts before the draft that they were taking uh, Penning and Olave, um, and they got those two guys, so good on them for that. But I'm, I feel like Penning's a little raw. They wanted someone who's going to start right away, and I think he's just a little little raw. He had a, tons of penalties. Uh, but – and then also Taylor, I forgot where he was on my cornerback rankings, but he wasn't in my top ten. So I thought it was a little oh, really? reach there, reach there. Um, but no, they still have a good team. 
And I think getting those playmakers back and Michael Thomas and then Kamara getting healthy again, the Saints are a sneaky team. We we need to remember about Kamara. Is whole thing with him getting arrested right after the All Pro game. Mm-hmm. No one's talking about that. Like we don't even know what's going on. Yeah, with that. I forgot about that. So like like that's a big elephant in the room. Worst draft. Let's hear it. I hated the Packers draft. So um, all the talk was how they needed a wide receiver. I didn't have to faith in them to take a wide receiver or to trade up. Um, and they surely didn't. They ended up getting a wide receiver in Christian Watson. But for me, Christian Watson was the most raw of the wide receivers out there. Like he was catching with his body. He was, I've never had a thousand yards at South Dakota state. Um, I just feel like he's, they needed an offensive rookie of the year candidate. And I don't think Christian Watson's that type of wide receiver. And then also to take a linebacker with their first pick at 22, and it's not even the best linebacker on the board, might've been the fourth best linebacker in the class with Quay Walker. And then Devontae Wyatt, he's a decent pick in its own right. Um, But I don't know. I feel like the Packers really need to capitalize on the window they have with Rodgers, and they certainly didn't do that. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Watching the Pittsburgh Steelers last year, would you agree agree that offensive line was their biggest need? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So let's just take a gander. A gander. Kenny Pickett, quarterback. George Pickens, wide receiver. Devon Lean, defensive end. Uh, Calvin Austin, another wide receiver. Uh, Connor Hayward. Tight end, fullback, H-back type of player from my Michigan State Spartans. Mark Robinson, Robinson, linebacker. Um, your biggest weakness you didn't address at all. That that's my issue. And also you have Deontay Johnson and and Clay and Claypool. And not one, but two wide receivers. And then with how the draft draft unfolded, I mean, God only knows where you get Kenny Pickett. You, you 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 took him in the first round, so so it's one of those teams that historically has a good draft. This year, I sucked. Yeah, I'm not as down on it, but definitely, like if you miss on a quarterback selection, it can set your franchise back three, four years. And I think taking Kenny Pickett in the first round when they have other roster needs was a mistake, honestly. So, see, man, man, thank you, dude. Like you're the nicest, nicest dude. Even when you say negative about a team, you always try to turn it into a little bit of a positive. Not, uh, it could, it could be a flaw I have. Yeah, me, I just go straight ass. Well, I'm like, dude, you suck, and this is suck, and this is. You're like, well, you know, you're like, like, dude, that's I love you, my man. That's why I love you, dude. Um, <laughs> who's uh, who's your next one, dude? Oh, my next one. Uh, there was a lot of drafts I wasn't super. High on, but another one is the Patriots. Um, everyone hated the Cole Strange pick. I saw that was, that was a lot of people graded that as the worst pick of the first round. Personally, I have Cole Strange having a second round grade, so I didn't find it as too much of a reach as everyone else. But like Tyquan Thornton and all the rest of their picks, all those running backs, I liked the players individually, but why are you taking two running backs? Uh, Patriots. Bill Belichick has done some weird things as a GM, and he kind of gets the benefit of the doubt. But as we've seen in recent years, 
Um, like times are changing, you know. So. Now, I love Justin Fields. I think Fields has a lot of being a good quarterback in the NFL. And then you hire Matt Eberfus, a defensive coordinator for the Atlas Colts who couldn't even construct a game plan to stop the Jacksonville Jaguars in the final week of the season, week of the season to develop your, um, your, your quarterback of the future and everything. And here's something you may not know. Are you ready to get absolutely blown away by this away by this fact? I'm going to drop later. If you're the Chicago, Chicago bear coach, you are required to go to Saturday night mass with the Hollis family. Your facial expression says it all. Yeah, really? <laughs> like, are you serious? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like what? You're required to go to, like, I, I, I want my, I want my, I want my coach prepared. I want my coach doing work. I don't want him going to mass. And if people take that the wrong, wrong way, I'm sorry. But that's what I want. Um, you need to protect the poor kid. You just start drafting corner, cornerbacks you just start moving back, moving back, moving back, moving back, moving back. Be a good, get an offensive lineman. When the Bear, Bears pick, there was some good value offensive linemen still on the board. They could have got someone to come, someone to come in and build with the kid from Ohio, Oklahoma State, Austin, that they got last year. You're drafting cornerbacks? That just doesn't make sense to me. They're putting fields in a, in a place to fail, and – I mean, I think they're going to frog by the um, by the Lions this year, and then God, and God only knows what Soda's going to do. God only knows what's going to happen in Green Bay. I think the North is prime for a picking. You have a dynamic quarterback in Fields, and and you drop the ball by not protecting him. Yeah, I think the Bears in particular, the most important thing is Justin Fields' development, and I think that's well known. Like people outside of the NFL even know, like Justin Fields is the guy in Chicago. We got to like make him be the best that he can and the bears just did not do that and it's funny because i go on all these different team pages and see like what their fans are saying about it and the bears are like oh yeah we drafted offensive linemen but if you draft in a fifth a tackle in the fifth round like how good do you expect them to really be um, and then also the wide receiver they did take out of tennessee valus jones he's 24 25 he's he's a very old rookie already Worst pick. What was your worst pick of the draft? Uh, I already touched on it, but Quay Walker, that just really bothered me. If I was a Packers fan, I would really hate it. But I do have another one that I really didn't like. Uh, my New York Giants took Wandale Robinson in the second round. And I just feel like for a team with so many needs, and to take a gadget wide receiver in the second round when you already have – or just correcting last year's mistake of Kadarius Tony. I don't really feel like that skill set is something that needs to be on the football field with, with so many other needs um, to get him to manufacture a few touches for him a game. I don't know. I didn't really like that bit. Oh, my God. I totally forgot that they're trying to trade Tony. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, dude. I, dude, I totally effing forgot that they're trying to trade trade him. Um, um. You know, my worst pick, small hands, Kenny, dude. Kenny, dude. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, A, because you saw the draft board broke out, out you could have got a 
number two. What what was he on your draft board? I believe I had him third. I had him six. Oh you really? Know. He was like your least favorite at all. Oh my god! Like I, like we're seeing it in the USFL. If you have you have small hands, you can't hold on to the ball, and I think he's going to struggle to hold on to the ball. In my eyes, this was a this was a total panic move because of what happened in uh, um with Dan Marino. You have a Pittsburgh quarterback coming out, and you totally stretched for him, and and you just, you were afraid he was going to be something. You in my in my eyes it was the perfect place to draft Desmond Ritter. I thought I think Ritter is Ben Roethlisberger Jr. And I think that the Falcons got a, got a home run drafting him. What did you, what was your take of um, Kenny? So for Kenny Pickett, he was my quarterback three. But because you mentioned the small hands, I would have loved to see him go to like an indoor football team. Because when it, it's in Pittsburgh and it's snowing, how how much is he going to be able to push the ball downfield? So I didn't love that pick, especially with how the board broke out and with all the quarterbacks falling that they were the ones to select Kenny Pickett. Um, I think the people most excited about Kenny Pickett are the Steelers marketing team, obviously. I mean, that's that's a way to put it. Um, what, what was your best? So speaking of quarterbacks, um, I really like Sam Howell. He's my quarterback, too. My quarterback one was Carson Strong. Obviously, he didn't get drafted because of his knee issues, but – if you take out Carson Strong, then Sam Howell is my quarterback one. And he actually was the last quarterback drafted out of the, uh, the five, um, falling all the way to the fifth round and to the Washington Commanders, which I'll have to get used to saying. Uh, but, yeah, to, to get him in the fifth round, the past two or two, three Commanders quarterbacks, they lack the upside. Where Sam Howell, he's a great athlete. He's got a strong arm. And I think – Behind that O line and those weapons, he's going to really have a chance to unlock that potential that we didn't see at UNC. Now, you know, I love me. This is going to just sound awful. Some big men. I love the trenches. <laughs> that didn't sound the best. But you, you don't. It did it. It did. It did it. Did it. And I admit it that that came out wrong. Um, you know my girl who I'm hanging out with, she probably won't like that comment, but my top pick, I mean, there, 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 there he is, right? That's my top pick right there, right there. Max Mitchell, raging Cajun, going to the Jets, Jets, and Brown. I have this guy, I believe, as number six or seven on my offensive Lion King. And even if Becton, if Becton comes, I don't even know what Becton's going to do for the Jets. Because um, the coach said that, you know, he's MIA. They don't know what's going to happen. Um, we don't – you have someone that can have someone that can come in and start. doesn't start. He can play not left tackle. He can play right tackle. And remember that the Jets are just San Francisco East. Um, you know what I mean? They're San, they're San Francisco East. So I like this pick. Comes from the zone running system. Um I think he's going to come in. He's going to be pick up, be able to pick up the blocking scheme, left or right side, depending on what Beckton does. They have a day one starter. 
Yeah, I agree. That's another reason why I have the Jets as big winners in this draft, because he's an excellent scheme fit to grab him in the fourth round. Um, versatility to play both sides. Slam dunk. Great pick. Slam dunk. Great pick. Um, I, I want to thank you for coming on. You know, you do work. Hopefully, you know, you, you'll start posting more, man, because I miss you. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, you've turned into a good friend over the years. There's, um, you know, really all the time, all the effort you've come on the podcast and everything. Obviously, NFL schedule is released week, maybe a week or two after it. Once, you know, you get organized with the stuff you have going on, because this is a big month in your life. Um, yeah. I'd love to have you come back on and just kind of dive in and kind of you know, games you have circled and kind of like some games you're looking forward to. Cool. Teams with good, bad, and like some like some situational spots. Or would you be interested in something like that, my man? Of course, I always look look forward to our season predictions every year. Like you said, I haven't really been posting. Yeah, lots of stuff going on in my life. Graduating in a couple of days, starting a new job, moving out of the house. Um, just lots of stuff going on. But good stuff going on. But good stuff. Good yeah, stuff. Absolutely. There's a big difference between stuff and good stuff. And man, you got good stuff going on. I on. I think part of what I'm trying to do. And, you know, what treat was you're going to be starting a podcast soon. So, uh, you know, once you do, I'd love to come on it, man. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on, my friend. Um, um, as soon as the schedule's released, let's plan, let's plan on talking again, my friend. Sounds great, man. Thanks for having me, as always. Guys, make sure you're giving Sterling a follow. Great follow at Silver Star Sports on Twitter and Instagram. He, like I said, he's graduating from college. He's going to start posting more and more content. Again, my apologies to Sterling. For the audio issues and my apology for you guys cleaned it up the best i could the whole cause was this lovely yeti microphone that i've been i've had for a while looks like it's shot its course so my apologies thus ends the recordings that happened earlier in the week when i did have the microphone issue now we're going to be again to the recordings that happening later in the week sorry again for the audio issues did my best to clean it up now we're going to shift our attention to UFC 274. As if this weekend, in terms of sports, couldn't get big enough, it's UFC 274. And who better to come on? He kicked ass. Last time he was on the show, Leo, a.k.a. the BTV Greek. He's got to be on cloud nine because the Celtics, you know, got to win. It's 1-1. How you doing today, my man? Man, I'm living the dream. I'm getting ready for tomorrow. It's going to be a beautiful evening. All right, we have the prelims in UFC, but I'm not going to watch them because I have to watch my baby boy Jason Tatum propel us to another win in Game Three. Celtics in five. It's back on. Get ready for it, baby. But uh, after that, we got a pretty meh UFC two two seventy four card to get excited about. <laughs> I mean, for your capping purposes, the Bucks are five and zero ATS in games I've attended this year. Just saying. Oh, are you going to be in the building? I'm going to be in the building, man. I'm going to be there. As, as it looks right now, I'll be there. I, I don't know. Stuff can change. I was supposed to be in Kentucky this weekend, but that changed. So Yeah, that seems know. to be a theme at BTV because, I mean, I know I had somebody – or Blackjack was supposed to be in Kentucky, and next thing you know, flights are getting canceled left and right. And uh, he didn't actually end up making the trip. And you too? Flight got canceled or what? I'll tell you what. I've gone to the Derby a couple of times, and I just I just don't like being in the rain. You know? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I've – I've, I'm kind of at that point. I've been there, done that. You know, done it once, done it twice, done it three times. So I just don't want to be in the rain. Um, we would, like you said, like we were talking off air. Interesting card. There's some some fights where you just kind of like, eh. You know what I mean? Like 
why is this fight even happening? Why is it even on the main card? Um, but let's jump right into it. My first fight undercard, I'm going Tracy Tortez, decision plus 155. I feel she has a huge wrestling advantage. I, and then if Gata is able to try to use her to just you to get her to try to choke her out, get in submission, I just trust Tortes, who has a huge wrestling advantage and who is 9-0-1. That means she doesn't know how to lose. She's going to be able to figure it out. She's going to be able to grind her way out of a submission attempt, and she's going to be able to wrestle her way to a victory. I got the decision plus 155. Yeah, I like that. I think uh, the decisions are going to be a big, uh, big trend so far in this card. And this is one of those cards where it kind of feels like it would be a lot more exciting if it happened three years ago. There are definitely a few fights on here where if it happened three years ago, I'd be more fired up. Um, but my first play is going to come on the early prelims, actually. It's going to be Ariane Cardinalosi. She's an underdog. She's plus 150. I think she's a really live dog here. Uh, she's facing off against Lupita. Seven of her last nine fights have gone the distance. She's shown the inability to finish fights. Uh, Carnalasi, I struggle pronouncing her name, so I'm just going to call her Ceriso because that's her nickname. Ceriso. Now, now you know how I feel. Now you listen. legitimately know how I feel when I do these, man. Listen, dude, I'm struggling <laughs> with an actual like different name here. Like you, you struggle with, like bad. Williams. Bad, bad. <laughs> I'll be the first to admit I'm awful at names. <laughs> just messing. But uh, yeah, no, Carnalasi or again Ceriso. She has three UFC fights under her belt. She's looked good in all three. She ended up losing one of them due to a doctor stoppage. She got a bad, bad cut. It was a tough one for her to lose. But after that, she bounced back with a nice KO and a submission win. She can kind of do a lot of everything. Lupita's lost, uh, excuse me, two of her last four fights. And uh, Carnalosi, while it has been uh, out of the UFC in some of those minor divisions, nine of her 14 wins have been by knockout. So she has the knockout ability. I think she's going to come out swinging here. I'm going to take her on the money line, but I really don't hate the knockout play either. Yeah, like we talked about it last time. Um, I love these little prop, excuse me, props, how to win, just because you can get value on them. And I really feel that if you we did a great job, we both hit a plus 200, plus 200 um, bets last time. And I really feel like you can find the value. So I, I like that a lot. Um Next play, I'm going to the main card. I, I tried to dig on these undercards. I just couldn't find anything that was sticking out. I'm going with Michael Chandler by decision, plus 250 against Ferguson. There's this old saying, father time is undefeated. And we're seeing that with Ferguson. He only has 34 significant strikes in his last two fights. He just hasn't been the same fighter since the Gaethje fight. Um, but don't get me wrong, Chandler's got some big – inefficiencies on defense that Ferguson was three, two, two, three fights ago. I'd be on Ferguson here as a dog, but I just don't trust him with the, what he's showing as father time has deteriorated his abilities to take advantage of that. I just expect Chandler to get to the ground and just kind of grind his way out to the victory because at the end of the day, both these two are on a losing streak and they need this fight. So I, you know, cause if you lose three in a row in the UFC, uncle Dana is going to look to kick you out. Yeah. He's going to look to release you. So I expect him to grind it out, not take too many chances. And the thing that blew my mind the most, would you believe that if I would have told you like three years ago, Tony Ferguson would be a biggest dog on the 274 card? Would you believe me? Yeah, seriously, it's ridiculous. It's crazy how far he's fallen after just a couple losses. He's like the James Harden of UFC. 
Oh, that's aggressive. <laughs> you oh, know what dude, I mean? Yeah, he's doing that to the guy too. Like that's a real tough comparison, dude. But no, I absolutely love that play. That's that's actually one of my favorite plays as well. Um, more importantly, Ferguson's a real tough son of a bitch. Like he's really hard to knock out. Four of his six losses have come by decision. He's only been knocked out once. I really think that's Michael Chandler's fight to lose. And Again, you're basically betting on Ferguson's toughness to get through the entire fight, but I absolutely love that play. Uh, I am going to go to the main card with you. I'm going to come back for my favorite pick because my favorite pick is on the prelim. But uh, one of my favorite picks on the main card is going to be Rua in OSP. I have a bunch of different plays. I'll be completely upfront with you. I have three different plays in this fight. My favorite one is going to be the over one and a half. You got to pay a little bit of juice at minus 130. But listen, OSP has lost five of his last seven fights. Uh, Rua has shown the ability previously to knock people out, but he hasn't done it recently. Okay. OSP has gone over one and a half rounds in six of his last seven fights. Rua has gone over one and a half in four straight fights. I think Rua is going to be a live dog. I'm going to talk a lot more about this fight on our breakdown for BTV. It's going to be me, you, and Kyle. You guys can check that out. Podcast, all that stuff uh, tomorrow on at BTV Bets. Make sure you guys follow that on Twitter. Um, but for this one, my favorite play of this fight is the over one and a half at minus 140. I think it's a dunk. This fight, to me, just has that feel of two guys over the hill just looking like they shouldn't be in the ring. Octa, excuse me, the octagon. octagon. That, like, I, I love this play a lot. I think I think it's going to be an ugly fight. I think it's going to go to decision. I, I, I love that play a lot. Um, my next play, going to the co-main event. My girl, she's your girl too. <laughs> Thug Rose, decision, plus 180. You look at this, you have to understand that she's gotten better with her defense. I know Esperanza leads the division in takedowns. But when you just look at Thug Rose's last two fights against Andrade and Zhang, that was pretty good pronouncing names, I must say. She was able to stop the takedowns. And when Zhang was able to get it to the gown, she was able to scramble or position herself against the cage to escape any danger. Esperanza isn't as good a striker as those previous two fighters she had. So that's one less thing Rose has to worry about. I think she looked... She's going to control the distance. She's just going to box her way to a win. I don't think she's going to be able to knock out Esparza just because she's going to want to take the distance just to respect the takedown game. I think she's just going to outbox and be able to point her way to a decision victory at plus 180. Yeah, you love her. You yeah, that's my girl, dude. That's my girl, dude. <laughs> uh, no, girl. I actually like that play a lot, too. I think that that fight is going to go the distance. Rose should win that fight. So I do see a lot of value in that plus 180. I'm right there with you. Um, my last play is probably my favorite play on this entire card, and it's going to be the most boring fight of this entire card. It's going to be Dumont, Norma Dumont, to win by decision at even money. It's on the prelims. This fight is going to suck. If you don't have money on it, don't watch. It's going to be boring. Okay. That being said, Norma Dumont should win this fight. She is better in all aspects of it. Uh, she has won five of her seven fights by decision. Her one loss came to Megan Anderson when she got caught with one swing. That was pretty much it. Um, she's coming off a really good main event in a fight night against Ladd, who honestly I thought was the better fighter in that. But Norma took it to her. She looked really good. She's going against Macy Chasen, who's lost two of her last four fights. Uh, four of her last nine fights have gone the distance. I fully expect this thing to go the distance. And in my opinion, this is Dumont's fight to lose. So getting her at even money to win by decision. Uh, this is by far my favorite play on this card. 
I love that. I was actually looking at that one a lot, but you know, I like to keep mine to four. It was play five. It was the last one to get cut. Um, my last play, I'm going to the main event. I'm taking the dog. Uh, I got Gagey at plus 142. And this is just my, this is how I look at it. Oliveira is only 41% in getting people to the mat. Gagey, former D1 wrestler, takedown percent is 73. You look, I mean, who is the only, the real fighter to get him to the ground and control it? Habib. I Call me crazy. I don't think Oliveira is on the same level as Habib. I don't think he's going to be able to gauge to the ground. I think Gagey is going to be able to keep the, keep the fight standing, using his punches, be able to connect. And also, we need to remember these front kicks by Gagey, he's going to attack that front foot, attack, attack that front shin, and make Oliveira very uncomfortable. I love Gagey here, and if you're really feeling spicy, Gagey by knockout. But I'll just play the money line plus 142. Yeah. Dude, I'm with you. Uh, I love Charles Oliveira. Like, he's one of my favorite fighters to watch. But this is just a terrible matchup for him. Like, it really, really is. I think Gaethje, like you said, he's good wrestling. He's going to attack that front leg. More importantly, Gaethje has some knockout power, man. He can – if he sees an opening, he's going to take it. Um, It's funny because Oliveira hasn't been respected by the books. Not at all. Not at all. In this fight, the books decide to over-respect him and make him a minus-190 favorite. This, to yep. me, it should have been very, very close to a pick uh, I think you're going to get a lot of value there with Gaethje, so I'm right there with you. And Leo, Leo said it. Uh, Leo, myself, and Kyle, we're going to be doing a pretty much a weekly. Anytime there's a UFC card, I think we're going to be on. Um, just breaking down the fights, giving our picks and everything on BTV, so make sure you guys check that out. Leo, why don't you tell everyone – where they can find you on uh, Twitter. Head on over at the BTV Greek. You can check out all of my stuff right there. Make sure you guys follow at BTV Bets, though, because that's really where it's at, guys. We have so much programming. Eric's on so much of it between the NBA show, the MMA show that we have going on now. What I mean, you're on like five different things at this point. We, you got a USFL show with XFL Jim. I mean, that dude's mentally unstable, so definitely check him out, too. Um there's just a lot of good stuff. I tell everybody, instead of like trying to organize your thoughts, just turn on the notifications and check everything out. Cause we got some horse racing stuff too that hits fairly frequently. I mean, you really can't go wrong with BTV. You know, I, I'm happy to be part of a family. You know, you guys took a chance on the asshole from Chicago. So I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, <laughs> I, we're going to be talking. I look forward to talking to you and Kyle a little bit later. Thanks for coming on my friend. And uh, we'll talk soon, dude. Sounds good, everybody. Thank you. I'd like to thank Leo for coming on, guys. If you're not following Leo, the guy is a machine, especially in tennis betting over on BTV like he was talking about. So make sure you give my boy Leo at the BTV Greek a follow. Now we're going to shift our attention to the USFL. What is up, everybody? We're here with the man, the myth, the legend, XFL Jim here talking a little usl becoming a regular on a thursday night maybe we should like get morris chestnut to do a voiceover and call it like xf like usfl after dark or something like that Ooh, that'd be a good idea that'd be we should really get something going on something brewing yeah. to to really yeah. break down usfl i think we should go like super retro 80s with it just like the league oh dude get um i'm trying to think of what like billy dean williams Get see if Billy D will come Ooh. out of requirement. Give give a little intro. That would be that would be very tight. Oh, you know what? You're rocking the Hawaiian shirt. I'm always I mean, rocking Hawaiian shirts. I mean, you got a little 
Magnum PI vibe going on. Should we see if Tommy can come out and do it? Get Tommy. Oh, dude, that would be. God, that'd be a that'd be a sight, my man. Um, so the big thing we need to discuss. My number one question for you: Are the Pittsburgh Maulers the worst football team in the history of any football league ever assembled? Oh. It's a little early to determine that. I think they're up there. They're definitely up there. I thought in the XFL that the Vipers were going to take that crown, and then they started looking competitive. I don't know if I trust Kirby Wilson to really get this team like together enough to yeah. really start competing. He just seems over in over his head. I, I'm trying to remember. I think there was like an AAF team that was really, really bad. And then obviously I mean, this, like, these, these guys suck, dude. These guys, like I was watching one. Was it the first game? The first looked, game? They the had first... like everyone was an offensive lineman. Like they were, were running sets. They're down multi, like double digits. They have like eight offensive linemen on the field. Yeah. Week one was really bad for them. And week three, the performance getting shut out by the Michigan Panthers, really, really bad. And then week two, though, they sprinkled it in with a very highly competitive game. With a good team. Where it went over. It did go over. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they they were – that's They're one thing there. that stood, real stu- stood out for me. Um, I need to talk to you, though. However, we had – oh, my God. What, what was the game that we had that was brutal? We had the Bandits minus one and a half. Now, that one was very, very brutal. Now, I'm going to be full-blown honest with you. Um, I did send you a message. Why didn't um, Haley go for three? Which I still don't understand why I didn't go for three in that situation. I don't either. I really don't. Um, the end of the game, I'm not going to lie. We had the tornado sirens were going off here. So the game complete. We lost the game. We had Fox, Fox weather um, telling us how to seek shelter because tornadoes were in the area. So I don't even know what happened for the last five minutes of the game. Completely missed it. Why don't you inform me what happened? It was really just setting up for the field goal to win it by one the whole time. Mm-hmm. The fact that they were down a little bit and then the opposing team, they just couldn't get anything going. Like the gamblers just couldn't get an offensive drive together. And the bandits took full advantage of it and got a drive. And they were definitely the entire drive down the field, like the final drive. They were playing for the field goal the whole time. They were just trying to dink and dunk it. They weren't doing anything, uh, any major yardage stuff. And it was, I was, it was the most frustrating thing to watch. It was just, just being soft at the end of the day. That was it. They were literally just being soft. You got to play. It doesn't make any sense to me being a math guy. Why you just don't go for the three right there. I don't get it either because you're like you're still down, like uh, especially in a league like the USFL. Not every team can trust their kicker. Exactly. Like you can't exactly. trust your kicker totally in these leagues. You saw it with Michigan. Like the Panthers didn't kick a single field goal. They didn't even they didn't even attempt a PAT. Yeah, fish just like f it. <laughs> like yeah. Uh, now there was um, also there was an injury. Um, a pretty big injury, right? A major. This is the biggest injury of the season. So, so, like, smaller injuries have been a bugaboo for the whole season so far. 
because there's been like receivers or linemen because the rosters are so small, like any injuries or major injuries. This is easily the biggest injury and it's, it affects a lot of things and I'm very upset by it. Um, now how long is he out for? Brian Scott, quarterback for the Philadelphia Stars, I believe Stars. is out for the rest of the season. He's just done. Oh, wow. I didn't know it was that bad because I know so he got he, banged up. I'll look it up real quick, but he posted on Twitter today that he's, like, done. Oh, wow. Which explains why the Panthers are laying one with an over-under of 33. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, The other big game was – now, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't we have – a tasty bush light bet on it was we, the stallions. Now, when I do a bush light bet, it's like I you don't have to give me a bush light, you just have to be on the show drinking a bush light. And yeah, finish so, the can. And, and finish the can. So that so whenever you want to come on and like do we'll the have, show and drink, we'll have drink to do the it bush next light. I'll have to pound Okay. One. Okay. All right, yeah. That's that's the bush light bet. You know, if you if you you don't have to give me one. You just have to pound one yourself. That was a weird, wild game. It was a good oh, game. It I was th- entertaining as hell. I think the Stallions' home field advantage is legit. That's oh, what that's that was my huge. main takeaway. Huge. Now, with that being said, do you? I mean, there's some great situational spots I feel to play this week. Just huge situational spots. Um, the star's backup, what can you tell me about him? Do you, like, how big of a step down is this? Uh, first off, Case Cookus, all-time name. All-time name right there. Uh, he's been he's been in a lot of camps. Um, I think there was a, a bowl game I remember watching him in that I was very impressed with. I think it's obviously a step down. Brian Scott's a spring league legend. He's been doing this forever. Yeah, so I'm looking this up right now. Case Cookus has played. He's been spent time with the Giants, the Broncos, the Vikings, the Raiders, and then he spent time in the CFL. Okay. This is all in 2021. Okay. So he's jumped around. Like, he's had potential time. It's he, – he played at Northern Arizona, so he's an FCS guy. He's pretty decent. I think it's a step down, but I think with the full week of practice, I still think he can be pretty good. Okay. Okay. So, you know, it's that time. This is a gambling podcast. Let's bring these sexy motherfuckers up. Oh, buddy. Oh, God. Look at that. Game one. Now, you know you know me. Buy low, sell high. You have the Panthers looking like world beaters, putting up 24 First shutout the, of the of the league. First shutout yeah. of the season. And you have the Stars playing their backup quarterback. I mean, old Uncle Rico here is licking his chops wanting to take the Stars at plus one for some Friday Night Lights. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. It's really hard for me to say take the Stars because the two issues I've pointed out with the Stars throughout the season are their defense isn't that great. And their offensive line has had issues. Um, and I think Brian Scott was doing a very good job covering up that offensive line issues. The Michigan Panthers have the best defense in the entire league. It's it this all comes boil this all boils down to what faith do you have in Case Cookus? With a full week's worth of, of, of prep time and practice, I might take the plus one. It's hard. It's 
are the Michigan Panthers actually good, or did they just play the Pittsburgh Maulers? <laughs> um, and also, also, the other injury you need to look at is for the Panthers. They looked so much better early on in the game with Paxton Lynch in starting, but he got injured. Yeah. He had to be taken out of the game. So if Paxton Lynch isn't starting, I don't trust Shea Patterson to to score. I and that's my thing. Like I I've never been a Patterson guy. Um, you know, I I'm from Michigan, so I have a lot of from U of M fans, even though I'm a Spartan guy. And all these guys just raved and raved about Patterson when he transferred there. I'm like, guys, he's transferring there because he can't start at Ole Miss. And then went to the NFL, small hands like Kenny Pickett, but that's another discussion we'll get to. I just don't think Patterson's that dude. I think they need Lynch here. I think their offense is going to take a step back. I I could very well see it. And the other thing, like Lynch had the the unexpected th- portion of that was that he had threat with his <laughs> legs. And the way he was looking when he got taken out of that game is there's no, even if Lynch is in, he's going to have to be like a statue. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm leaning. I, I'm definitely going to be on the st- the stars here. I mean, I feel like that's I'll I'll take the stars here plus the one over think, under. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm with you on that one. I think even a Case Cookus led stars team, the fact that he's not jumping in mid game, I I got to lean on the stars as well. Plus, yeah, because you said it. They're getting a full week of prep. Shane Patterson is Shane Patterson, and even if Lynch plays, he's not going to be able to run. Um, so I'll take the stars here, you know, at, you know, plus one, you know, minus one Oh five. I'll just probably play the money line minus one Oh five. There's no point to play in the one. Um, I hate playing these low unders when they're in the thirties because there's always the crazy turnovers, like the returns or whatnot, but it's hard, hard. I, I'm going to be honest. I've been getting pounded on totals in this league. I feel like I go 50-50 at best each week for these totals. Because so, because there's been way more overs than I anticipated. Yeah, I mean, but I think that goes back to the, what we were talking about last week is all these coordinators and coaches are finding out these DBs aren't that good. No, and they it's can all just take like advantage all this, of them. Yeah. All the skill is in like the D-line and these linebackers. Like the best players on a lot of these teams are these linebackers. Oh, exactly. And I think we're seeing like stuff open up a little bit more if like like you said the D line and the linebackers aren't be able to aren't able to create that pressure. Um so goddamn like I I think I'm just going to bet the stars here. I can't go either way on the total. If I go one way I'm going over because I think yeah. the, I I trust the Stars offense to still get over even with Cookus. And like if yeah. Paxton Lynch plays, I definitely like the over because I still think he can produce more. I think this could be like a 21-14 game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll just yeah, I could see that too. It's also that's weird, not, like, that's well, not it, many points. You know what I mean? Like it's not the Panthers. The Panthers are also a weird team to do the totals with because they don't kick field goals. Like yeah. Jeff Fisher showed last week, he refuses to kick field goals. So that makes a lot of weird stuff going on. I'll tell you what, if I, if I was a coach, that would be my I, mindset. Same. I mean, I'd, I'd be playing Madden unless you're here. Unless you're the gamblers, because they their guy's automatic. Oh, he's, he's money in the bank? He's pretty good. He's a good kicker. Um, he's like the only one that's consistently been making these longer kicks. Okay. 
so Vogel. Shit, dude, son of a bitch, you talked me into the over. I mean, if I'm going one way, I'm going over. It, don't if you if you want to be smart with your money, don't bet these totals. <laughs> okay, all right. So for the sake of the podcast, we're just gonna say game one, Friday Night Lights. We're taking we're taking the stars minus the one hundred and five. Correct. Okay. Game two, we get to the worst football team in the history <laughs> of professional football. I'd definitely put them in like bottom whatever. I mean, they're, really they're just so fucking bad, dude. They're really bad. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just here. But they can that turn game. on a fucking dime and be good. <laughs> it's just amazing. Um, the generals. The I mean, spread is insane. This is an I insane mean, like, spread. <laughs> this is just, it's just way too much. This is the biggest spread we've seen. Last this is week, insane spread. Last week, it got up to five with the Stallions. This, like, this week, this is 10. I mean, just. <laughs> Footing bet, betting football 101 says after a team gets demolished and embarrassed, you always back them the next game. I have to take the 10 here. I ha- I feel like I have to. I feel like the generals are kind of st- going to start rolling with uh, DeAndre Johnson more often. They they yeah. they kept him in at the end of last week. He's kind of going to be their guy, I'm thinking, going forward. They are looking really good. I- I got to take the 10. I got to take the, the Maulers here, plus 10. You have to. You you have to. Just like foot, like I said, football betting 101 says you have to take the 10. I'm going to take the over um, as well. I mean, do we get ballsy and take the plus 350? Uh, no. No. Uh, you're not I feeling can't, it? I, no, I don't trust Kirby Wilson to win a game. I think Mike Riley is the way better coach. But that I don't doesn't... say that very often about anything. <sighs> So you like the over here? Kirby Wilson just—he's too often he like he plays for punts, he plays for kicks. It's playing like the field, playing the field position game, dude. I mean, you haven't won a game, <laughs> dude. Um, yeah, dude. But 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 you're gonna take the over though. I'm taking the over. I think I think the generals can score, and I think uh, if the Mullers are on, you saw it in week two. Like if they have an on week. If Josh Love is kind of feeling himself, which is what it's going to take, his, like, chemistry, because, like, half this team is from San Jose State. Uh, they just need to, like, gel and get something going. I think – I don't I don't think the Generals' defense is that great. I'll take the over. Okay. All right. So let's go over 33-and-a-half here, and the Maulers plus the 10. God damn The fact that it's minus 105 is kind of bugging me out because I'm more confident yeah. on this over than I am the Stars-Panthers over. But do you think people are just kind of betting it? Because, like, let's be honest. Like, well, it's because the, the Maulers. I mean, the Maulers yeah. stink offensively. They, they they're, Exactly. They're, they scored zero points last week. He kicked, exactly. he kicked like, a 59-yard field goal. <laughs> Who kicks a fucking 59-yard? I'm not even kicking a 50. Actually, I take that back. I mean, I think the kicker is at a type of 59-yard field goal with, or obviously Tucker, obviously McManus. Yeah, those and guys obviously, are all. Yeah, the guys you would attempt it with are all in the NFL. And also, like hell, I saw Jason Hansen at the gym the other day. I'd, I'd pull his ass off out of the gym. <laughs> I'd let him kick it, dude. I mean, dude, this guy looks like he can run. This guy looks like he can still play. Um, and he's like what fifty two. I'd let Hansen try one. Um, yeah, I'll take the ten here. 
Um, and you know, let's do it. Let's take the over 33 and a half. Uh, the line kind of suggests it may drop down to 33 though. So I, I, I'll do that. I'll take the 10 and the 33. And yeah. If it, yeah. If it goes 33, get that. Now this is another one you had, but you mentioned their home field advantage. Uh, the, the night game on Saturday, we got the stallions against the bandits. Stallions are laying three and a half over under 39. I expect this number to balloon up a little bit. That's why I'm suggesting to hold off, but I'm definitely going to take the bandits. I'm going to fade the team after they had a signature win. And they I did have the, the signature field. win. They beat the number one team. Yeah. I think that's also a combination of the home field advantage. Plus watching that game in the end of week two, uh, the new Orleans quarterback, Kyle Sloter looked visibly like hobbled and injured. Yeah, he looked banged up, too. A big factor of his game is his running threat. Yeah. And he like he wasn't able to do that. He couldn't really scramble. He's given himself up way earlier in these weeks. I, I'd also lead the Bandits here. They're looking cleaner. It's, it's tough, those... though. It's, it's so what? tough not to back the Stallions at home, though. I... That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the Stallions minus three and a half, and here's my plan for the season. I think I'm going to tail the Stallions all through the regular season, and then when the playoffs come and they have to go to Canton, Ohio, without that a home field advantage, then I'm going to fade the fuck out of them. That, that's that's a plan, dude. But for this, we'll do the Bush Light bet. I'll may have to, we may both be chugging a Bush Light. You may well, I might have to chug, too. <laughs> um, so let's do – I'll take the Bandits here plus the three and a half. I'm definitely going to do a little sprinkle, sprinkle on the 155, and I'm going to go for the try. I'm going to take the over 39. I'm going to go uh, Stallions here, minus three and a half, and I'm I'm with you on the over here. I think, I think similar to some Stallions games we saw in week one and week two, you might see like a second half score uh, surge. Um, and then Sunday, only one game on Sunday, Mother's Day. You know what a better way to spend hanging out with the mom than watching a little USFL. We have the Houston Gamblers against the New Orleans Breakers. And there always seems to be like one game a week where I have no idea what the F to do. And that's this, that that's this game. I have no idea what the F to do a, here. This is a super tough one for me. The the last two weeks I'd say the gamblers have gotten some moral victories. They've looked way better on offense. Um it's this comes down to me as like, how good does Kyle Sloter look? Like how, what percentage is he at health wise? Cause if Kyle Sloter is a hundred percent, I'll take the five all day. The gamblers have the best like cover capability with the fact that they have a kicker who can actually make field goals. But this new Orleans defense is really good. And I think they can get to Clayton Thorson and just kind of all Thorson has shown me so far is that he's good at throwing bombs and not too good at throwing intermediate passes. Now, you hit the nail on the head. We need to know what's going on with the quarterback. And this is my one pet peeve with the USFL. They're really bad about injury updates. They're I really mean, it's bad. like it's 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 like what the hell? Like I have I'm having an easier job Google researching the potential psychopath my friends hooked me up with to go out with on Friday night on Google than I am to find an injury report for for the XFL for the XFL, excuse me, the USFL. And that's my one thing. Like I need to know what's going on and I can't get anything to save my life here. 
Yeah, they're really bad. Basically, you just have to follow the right people on Twitter, and then they'll they'll let you know. Okay. All right. Um, do you think we see a six here? Uh, I think day of it could get. I mean, because we'll probably know Friday more of what Sloter's like status is, and if he's like super, if he's like a hundred percent. And playing if they have like all their guys on offense and defense, I could go. I could see it going to six. I bet. A, I don't see a. Usually, I don't see a ton of line movement from the USFL. Like the only one that I've seen that's moved a bunch this week was the Panther Stars game, and that was a pick'em that moved from a pick'em yep. to minus one. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um. Yeah. So just to re- for everyone to review, we are both on the Stars plus the one. Um. Jim is taking the over 33. Here we are taking the Maulers plus the 10. And Jim is on the over 33 and a half. We have a fight in the house here. Jim is on the minus three and a half. I am on the plus three and a half. Another one of the Bush Light bets. I We're both on the over. I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on the money line. Here, I have no idea what the F to do. What are you rolling I'm, with, my friend? I'm gonna roll with the breakers here. I just this is this is going back to my I when in doubt, go back to like tried and true methods that you've used in other leagues. Uh I did a very good job of fading Kevin Sumlin consistently in college. I'm gonna kind of stick with that here. I'm gonna take the breakers to cover the five, and I'm gonna take the under in that game. God, dude, can you believe that when Sumlin got hired by Arizona? There was like a 30-minute window when I thought to myself it would work out. There was a quick second because, like, they had Khalil Tate at the time. Yeah. And you thought he could rekindle some uh, Johnny football magic with Tate, and it just didn't work out. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. Um, I mean, God damn it, dude. I mean, like, sometimes you place these future bets, and then you look back at them, like, two years later, and you're like, what the F were you thinking? And that's kind of me with why I took – when I took Arizona a hundred to one to win the Pac-12 that year, like what the f was I thinking? Uh, Jim, thanks for coming on. Uh, big news, you and I—we're going to be double dipping every week. I'm going to be on you with you doing your spring fever. Yeah, I'm going to be bringing you on spring fever as 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 we can. I'm talking some spring football. I am still I am of the mind that I'm trying to get these leagues to include gambling. So far, the only spring leagues that you can for sure gamble on are the USFL, the CFL, and I can only assume upcoming next year, the XFL. I want I want every spring league to get in with this. That's the way it should be. Because gam- like, if you invest in gambling, the degenerates like you and I will follow. You know what I mean? So, Jim, why don't you tell everyone uh, where they can find you on social media and what do you have planned for the rest of the week? Everyone knows where to find me at XFL Gym on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I am all over. Uh, rest of this week being Friday. So I got boned on my USFL recap. I got copyright uh, blocked by Fox. So I'm no longer going to be showing any clips of the USFL games in my recap videos because the entire video got blocked, and that was that was lame as hell. So I do a USFL recap every Tuesday. And then I got a USFL preview show that's coming out tomorrow on Better Than Vegas. Like my just, I'm previewing all the games. Hopefully, we have all the injury information and everything. So be prepared for that. And then with work not hounding me, hopefully I can actually cook something tomorrow. It'd be it'd be fun to actually get back in the kitchen. 
Now, how did last week's dish turn out? Didn't it? Didn't because we had the tornado. Oh. We had the we had those tornado shits going on. So I didn't have you had tornadoes too. Yeah, oh my god, dude. it was real bad here. And then I was gonna do it earlier this week, but then I got sent on the road for work. Jesus, dude. So I gotta do it. I gotta try and either do it tomorrow or early next week. Now, have you ever been in a tornado? Uh, I've seen one touch down like a few miles away, but I've never had one like go over my house. I've been in oh an earthquake god, though. Oh no! I've only I've been I've seen a tornado, and I was actually in one. Are you ready for this? Are you ready Jeez. for Uncle Rico's story of the week? Story of the week. So you know I played I you know I played in college. I was working out with a football team. I skipped business law. Um, I was on the track. My roommate at the time, his name was Rudy. Obviously, we called him Huxtable after the legendary character, Rudy Huxtable. So Huxtable, myself, a couple guys on the football team were working out, and it wasn't supposed to do anything. Then all of a sudden, it just started pouring. It stopped, and then we continued working out, and then one guy, he's just pointing like this, stone cold. We see the the freaking funnel <laughs> the, cloud coming down. Oh, my God. We had no idea what to do. We locked our hands in the rail like this, and we got swung up like here. I mean, the reality was it was probably three seconds, but it felt like a oh, half dude. an hour. Longest three seconds of your life. Slam down. And, I mean, dude, scary as shit. We go walking around. Cars are turned over the place. I walked by the business building because I was supposed to be in business law. A tree had come through the window. And the girl that sat next to me, I was, the, of course, the seat next to the window. The tree went in and her face got all cut up. So the moral of the story, kids, when you have a chance to work skip out. classes. Skip classes. That's the moral of the story, you know, so. But, uh, Jim, I look forward to it, man. You and I, dude. Batman and Robin. I'll obviously be Robin. You can be Batman, my friend. <laughs> <I'll tell you. laughs> all right, man. We'll talk to you next week, dude. Later. Guys, make sure you're following XFL Jim on everything on social media. Dude is a machine. I am going to start doing a weekly USFL show on BTV with him, which I'm really looking forward to. Him and I are going to be doing more and more work together, so make sure you give him a follow. Now we're going to shift our attention over to NASCAR. Well, it's Friday NASCAR, um, and who better to come on the show, as he does every week? He's rocking the B, you know, big... uh, Big, uh, big game, big game yeah. tonight, man. Big game, Brandon. Hasn't been uh, the most exciting playoffs for a Boston fan when it comes to hockey, but um, hoping we can pull one out tonight, make it two one, sneak one out on Sunday, and be two two, and just have a whole new series. So you come on every every Friday, Brandon. I immensely appreciate it, but you know we. We could have some fighting words on, on how this Bucks uh, Celtics series is going so far. It's been like one game Bucks couldn't miss, next game Celtics couldn't miss. Just letting you know the Bucks are five and zero ATS in every game that I've attended this year. Just letting you know that for tomorrow. You know you can do with that information as you want, but I'm letting you know that for tomorrow. So you will be at the game tomorrow. You know what? As of right now, I'm supposed to be at the game. I was supposed to be in Kentucky right now. But now I'm going to the game. I don't know. My my life changes a lot for some reason. That's um, to watch your team lose in person, but it's okay. We can keep we can keep it going. <laughs> um, so your boy finally broke through. You know he's been great. Of course, I faded him. He got the win. Um, 
he's been consistent, but he's really struggled at that track. What were some of your takeaways from um, from the race? I think everything changes when a rain when a race gets delayed to the next day. The yeah. the rubber gets washed off the track. I completely forgot the race is at twelve, and I tuned in with forty laps ago and saw he's in first, and I was sticker shocked at that point because I was like, I absolutely wanted to fade him because he's never been good there, and mm-hmm. he got his win. Um, that's why personally I'm going to ride him into this week. Um, I believe he's at eight to one, which is kind of low, but he's been consistently good here. He, uh, has qualified second so far for tomorrow night's race. So he's going to have some experience at the track tonight or tomorrow night in Xfinity. And, uh, I like him at eight to one, you know, my first one, I'm going to Truex, you know, he's sitting at seven to one. He's led 24.3% of the laps here. One win, two top fives, four top, four top, uh, four top tens. You know, in spring, he absolutely killed this field when he got the win. And then the last race, there was that speeding penalty that cost him here. So he yeah. dominated this track. He's been running good, and I kind of feel like, you know, it's kind of like me and Chris Paul unders and points. This is my last go around with Truex. If he doesn't come through it this time, he's off. He's on the list. I, I like it. I I will absolutely rock that pick with you. Um, you're right. If that speed and penalty didn't happen, I think that result would have been completely different. Um, I'm also going to go with another guy that's running in tomorrow night's race who's now sitting P1 in qualifying for the Xfinity race, and that's Tyler Reddick. Uh, he's at 18-1. to 1. He's been consistently good all year. We've talked about him leading races. And um, this track's all about riding the wall, and he loves the wall. So I'm rocking with him 18 to one for sure. So here's my question to you. You mentioned riding the wall and everything. Obviously the best person in NASCAR riding the wall is Kyra Larson. I mean, you send that five to one. Do you really, can you like, can you bet him at this point at that price? Or do you just kind of like, eh, whatever, you know, I'm, I'll look, I'll look to find value somewhere else, maybe in some head to heads or with, Reddick and um, Elliot. Should we add Larson to our card? I'd only add Larson to the card if that's the only guy you're going to bet on. I'd rather take no. that money and throw them all on Larson or don't touch Larson and hit a couple small guys like we're doing. Okay. Um, my next one, you know, I'm going with Harvick. Average finish of three and a half, two wins, five top fives, six top tens. Uh, last year was awful. Excuse me. Last year was awful. This year he's been running pretty good. I really like what I've seen from with him on the track and everything. He's working his way into the new car. And I kind of feel like he's him and Truex are always in the position to win. So that's why I'm attacking them in this race. I agree. Um, last year we tried to stay away from Harvick all year because he wasn't showing us anything. He's showing success this year, not a win, but he's driving a lot better. He has been historically good at this track. And um, I definitely see him being in the top 10, at least, going to the end of this race. Now, there were a couple head-to-heads. There's two guys I'm looking to fade here, just because historically they've really struggled at this track. And I just want to get your opinion here. But before that, let's just go through these head-to-heads that are posted on Bobato. We're using Bobato because someone messaged me last week saying, hey, asshole, not all of us have DraftKings. So we're using Bovada right now. So uh, hopefully everyone has Bovada. Uh, Bell, Kurt Busch. Kurt. Now, here's the thing. Blaney's on by fade list, but I'm not playing one, minus 150. So for me, 
this would be a direct pass just because this is a track I'm looking to fade Blaney. 100% pass on that. As I've just stated, I'm looking to fade Blaney. He's historically struggled at this track, and that's what I look to do attacking his head-to-head. So I love Bowman here. Yep, same. Now, what about Wreck-It Ricky and Chris Butcher here? I'm taking Wreck-It Ricky at that even money only because of his performance last week at Dover. Um, yeah, he ran second. Yeah, yeah. So I see him carrying that momentum into this race, not winning the race, but definitely having a good finish. Uh, Cendric and Bradley. Cendric still. Brad's still not showing what we need to see from him to put money towards him. Now, do you think that's going to be like that all year? Yes, absolutely. Now, next one, Elliot against Hamlin. We already are invested in Elliot, and we've said numerous times that this is the situation. This is a pure pass. Yeah, either a pass or if you're just looking to sprinkle money in all head-to-heads, grab Hamlin. So if Chase wins, you get your money. If he doesn't, you'll probably grab Hamlin in the head-to-head. Hamlin, Truex Jr. Truex. Kyle Busch, Ross Chastain. Kyle. Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick. Harvick. Now, here's another one of my head-to-heads. Bubba's look. Bubba has yet – he's raced here six times. He has yet to get a top 20. He's yeah, historically right. done bad in this track. I know Cole Custer is not not the greatest in the world at this track either, but he's at least performed better than Bubba, who has yet to have a top 20 in six races. I'm on Clustered here. I'll take a minus Cust- one. Custer all day, yeah. Um, now, again, unfortunately, we're, we're these – I mean, these bets – No. We used to love these bets. I mean, not- we honestly used to love these bets. But now we can't get them. Like, there's no point. In, in my mind, of even betting them. Um, what about this? Minus 130 for Elliott or Larson just to finish in the top two. I don't like that because in NASCAR, if there's any mechanical issue or caught up in a wreck, you just wasted your money on that bet. Yeah, that's yeah. that's why I don't. I like either win it and that's it. The, the other ones, I, I don't like touching. Let's see. I mean, how – I mean – Denny Hamlin, Logano, Harvick, and Kyle Busch all to finish in the top 10 plus whiny. I mean, like, this is just look, I I would Bubba Wallace, Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez all to finish in the top 10. I need 30 to 1 for me to yeah. even be remotely into this one. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Bubba Wall. I mean, all these, these are just yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like any of them. Top two finish, no. Top three finish, we don't like any of these. Top five finish, no. I mean, even these top ten finishes, like. No, not not a fan of any of those. Oh, oh, oh. I'm seeing my boy at 11 to 1 to finish in the top ten. Corey, the heartthrob of joy. Not at, like that one? not at 11. If it's top 20, I'd absolutely jump on it. Uh, who won the poll last week? Do you remember? I do. Uh, do not. It was some rando, I thought. Um, it was, was Busher. So here, yeah, dude, like getting the poll is just so, like, I don't even know. Like another one. Like I, any of these right here, they're just not worth betting. They're not. They're not at all. Oh, here's a, a driver just to lead a lap. Just to lead one lap, you got your boy at plus 125. I mean, I like it. That's weird. 
a weird bet, isn't it? I've never seen that one before. No. Driver to finish on lead lap. So just to finish on the lead lap. Oh, you got your boy at plus 260. Yeah, and don't forget, guys, jump on Harrison Burton, 500 to 1. We didn't touch that. Um, all right. Winning car, number of drivers to finish on lead lap. Yeah. Uh, what about this? Series champ. Any value you see right here? Yeah. Uh, your boy's all the way down to 6 to 1. I don't – I um, hate these. It's still so early. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you get it and you get some value, you can always like hedge out. You know what I mean? Like, true. So, but, um, you know, Brandon, dude, we're making this one a little sick. Um, you know, no, sorry, we're making this one a little short. You're a little bit under yeah, the weather I'm a today. under the weather, so I apologize. <laughs> so, um, but we, Brandon, and I do have some big news. Um, you know, we've been going hard on this for about, this is year two. Yeah. Uh, BTV reached out to me. And they asked if Brandon and I on the weekend could do a show with Brian Beho on uh, on BTV, and we're going to add Formula One. So Brandon will be here every Friday on my podcast. We'll, we'll be here about 10, 12, 15 minutes shooting the shit and everything, t- telling you guys who to bet in. And then a little bit before the day of the race, we'll have a segment that comes out on BTV where we'll talk about Formula One and NASCAR with Brian. Should be a great time. Maybe we'll incorporate a little bit more fantasy stuff. If you guys have any suggestions, shoot us uh, a DM. Our DMs are always open, especially yep. if you're an attractive woman. Just um, but no, seriously, we appreciate the support. You know, Brandon and I have been always. working hard on this, and you know, Brandon takes a lot of time out of his day to come on and do this. So I appreciate you, Brandon. Absolutely. Why don't you tell- everyone where they can find you on social media boston boy 83 instagram twitter twitch all the above like i said sorry if i seem blah just trying to kick whatever this is and uh maybe a bees win tonight will help me do that okay man well all i know and i decided like whoever wins the bet so it's not like i like hypothetically let's say the celtics beat the um the bucks i don't give you a bush light I have to shotgun a bush light that on the works. podcast. That that that's the bet. That works. Okay? That that's the bet. That's cool. All right, my man. Uh, All right, we got one next week, so I'll talk to you next week, my Sounds friend. Sounds good. That's it for today's podcast, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Like I said, I apologize for the microphone issues. I apologize to my guests for the microphone issues. We'll get better. We'll order a new microphone. I cut it off the best I could. Also, make sure you're giving my guys a follow. Follow Gino at it's me gino b anthony a town sterling silver star sports leo the btv greek usfl for xfl gym and brandon at boston boy 83 those guys are great taking time on their schedule coming on i really appreciate it. so please make sure you support them and follow also if you give me a follow on instagram twitter like subscribe to the podcast give me a follow on youtube where all these videos will be coming out where i'm interviewing the guest live on Twitch, and then I put the video up on YouTube. If you guys could do that, that'd be greatly appreciated. In terms of next week, uh, Leo announced it. Him, myself, and Kyle will be doing a MMA show on BTV. As always, I'll be with Kyle and Gino on the uh, BTV NBA show. 
so, uh, dresses and solid pretzels. They reached out to me. They're on Instagram. They want me to come on about five minutes toward the end of their live stream every Tuesday. Give it better of the week. I'll be on that. You guys can find me everywhere giving out free plays, trying to help you guys make money. Thanks for tuning in. Like, subscribe, give me a review, give me a comment. All that stuff helps out. Until next week, boys and girls, let's make some cheddar.